Hey, I'm Todd Knock, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Wow, you must be excited. I am excited. It sounds it. A lot to be excited about. You do know who's with us. Comics, we've got a great guest. I was just, you know who's with us this week, right? Yes. Wow. Are you, no, you're not desperate. You just love him, as do I. I do. Yeah. I think we all do at this point. Well, we do. Jason does it, but we do. He what does, is, too. What does he know? He's a robot. Jason if does he... have people saying we love him so much. What do you think that's about? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he can't open up his feelings. He's just, he's, he's insecure. Yeah, ah. a little bit. <laughs> Overcompensates with the house and everything, you know. Yeah, the cushions. Hey, everybody. <laughs> it's 11 o'clock comics, episode 865, Staying Alive. Wow. And I am Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. And. and please. <laughs> you just left me wide open there. No, not a showman. Not a showman. And we have a guest this week. What? He is, it's really not a guest. Uh, we say this every time. Tony's back. Tony Fleece hey. is back with us. Um, he's been here a gazillion times, and it's always always a, a hoot and a, and a whole bunch of fun to talk comics with our brother. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Fleece. Hey, gang. Happy to be here. Been too long. Welcome I went to Comic-Con in between the last time we spoke. You did go. Time. We're going to yeah. hear about that. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but first, we have to remind everybody who made this possible. It is CheapGraphicNovels.com. It's right there in the name, everybody. All you need to know, CheapGraphicNovels.com. If you're looking for trade paperbacks, collections, manga, omnibu, anything with a spine, basically, which, okay, uh, you can go to CheapGraphicNovels.com and get it at a whack discount. What we have here, I was just firing it up and I was looking at what they have for sale. Uh, you can get, this is crazy, the Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Omnibus Hardcover for 40% off. 40% off. It's only going to cost you $59.99. And you know me, any opportunity I can get to pump the work of my boo, Freddie Williams III, I will do it. Uh, he did all, most if not all of the work in this uh, collection and it is awesome awesome there's also batman one bad day bane hardcover for ten dollars and 79 cents that again 40 percent off the Clayface one is the same price like what that's amazing cheapgraphicnovels.com that is a neat little set because it comes with um the slipcase comes with one bad day riddler and the killing joke and what i like about this version of the killing joke they actually went back to the uh, original coloring. Ooh. Steve Olaf? Uh, no, 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 no. Um, oh, crap. Maybe Brian Boland did it. No, Boland redid it the last time, yeah. the last time they released it. And I was happy to see um, to see that they there's a blurb on, on the back of the slipcase. But the slipcase is neat because it comes with two, so you get started. And then as 
the additional ones come out, the Clayface, the Mr. Freeze, Cowboy, and so on and so forth. You just, it, it's, I, I like it when they, they're, they're not, obviously, it's, it's, it's a business, but I mean, at least they kind of get you started. I, I like the idea of a slipcase, but then again, it just gets you started with it and, you know, here's some, so you can keep adding to it. And as opposed to, oh, we put out all these hardcovers and, someone had the bright idea eight months later to to come out with a slipcase for it and everything mismatched and it but it this is a neat little setup who else did that who else did the slipcase mm-hmm. and the buy one get the slipcase and you yeah it. it was um it wasn't all that long ago either. Yeah, it was frank miller with uh dk3 yes that's right yes yeah. yes with the with the larger size with the the mini comics that were included in those hardcovers that's right yeah, yeah I, that, that's yeah. how i got it yeah the only thing that sucks that's true the only thing that sucks is if you just want that first volume like if someone worked on the first volume and you love them and you're just like "Ah, i'm not really sure about the other ones and you got a slipcase, right right you you can ebay it whatever yeah use it for other things right you know that that is the barry windsor smith storyteller slipcase, and it still has a little gap in it because yeah mine too i love that slipcase. oh it's incredible what a dream so there you go. There you go. Cheapgraphicnovels.com. Done, done. Um, so you hear from them, and then you, when you get your order in, then you send an email, and you say, hey, I heard about you on 11 O'Clock Comics, and then they give you free shipping on your second order. That's how it works? You are amazing. That's exactly how it works. It's like you listen to the show or something. Complicated setup, but I see how it would work. <laughs> to well, Because your, your first order comes in. It's all set up. They put the shipping on it. They're ready to go. And then they say, hey, it's me from 11 o'clock. And then Max says, uh, I'll ship it on out to you for free shipping this next time. Yeah. So then you're, you're basically guaranteeing you're going to get two orders out of these people, which why wouldn't you at those prices? Right. And free shipping. Yeah. No one offers free shipping these days. Unless yeah. you order like an ungodly amount of stuff, you know, free shipping over 250 Like what? All I want is this one book. But yeah, free shipping's a great deal. And and I've been asking Max like every month, I'm like, Yeah, we good? He's like, No, yeah, we're good. So I'm like, Okay, must be working. Awesome. Why and wouldn't it? Because we're we're shipping as well. That Max, he he doesn't mess around. No. He, he uh, he's a fastidious nerd when it comes to corners and ticks and all that stuff. He's not gonna let your stuff get messed up. It's true. I've ordered some Nick and Dent from mm. uh CGN and I was like, Where did Dent at? Like, I don't see it. There's no dent on this thing. Oh, wait a minute. My electron microscope has revealed a tiny little imperfection in the corner. Like, I can, you can't even see it. Whatever. And I'm not that picky with with my, my hardcovers anyway. You know, but regardless, the book had, no, it was unblemished to my eyes. So there you go. Uh, I am drinking. We thought, ooh. Yeah, I thought Tony's here. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm finishing off the redhead from Franklin Hill Vineyards, a red wine with natural flavor. What does that even mean? Um, raise your glass to the rare, the beautiful, the bold, the curious. It's redhead. Red blend. Pretty good. Like it. It will be gone. Take it away. What you drinking, Tony? Oh, I'm having a little redhead of my own over here because I have a Diet Coke from Wendy's. Uh, wow living on the edge fountain diet coke over here it doesn't really make sense because if i'm eating a wendy's it's not healthy but i always like that diet coke it goes with everything and that's where where i'm at 
it is relatively healthy if you get the chili because that's on that's on the Weight Watchers. Tell you what, I didn't get that. Mm, I love their chili, especially if you put about six packets of hot sauce in it. It's really good. Hot sauce is on the Weight Watchers too. I'm sure. Yeah, they don't they they don't they don't do beans in their chili, right? At Wendy's? No, it's just it's just chunks of meat and juice. Perfect. Uh, John Higgins was the name I was thinking of. That's John Higgins. I was thinking John, and I knew it was an age, but I'm like, it's not John Hollingsworth. What the fuck am I? So, but there you go. John Higgins was the, it's the, uh, features the coloring from the original printing. John Higgins, world without end. Yes. Paperback, some of that is out of print at the moment. What the fuck? That's awesome. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> He's checking his mail. That, wow. <laughs> oh, man. That, that should be the uh, next book of the month. Whenever we... <laughs> what, so, World, Without, World Without End? Yeah. Jason will have a fit. Why? He's, he won't. He won't take it. He won't. <laughs> well, we got to think of something. Uh, I'll, post the, I'll post the form tomorrow, but we, we'll, we'll pick something. Was that even uh, suggested by the patrons? I don't think so. We got to pull something from the list. Yeah, we got. Um, Just had a book of the month. Was it just like last week? Yes. Yeah. I love when you review a book and you're like, I think everyone feels this way. Uh, You want to kill yourself. Uh, You hate your life and your job. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Every day you wake up and it's a complete misery. Yeah. That was your review of that book. You're like, I think everyone would agree with me. Uh, that if you if, if you went on if you had a chance to leave your life behind you obviously would leave it completely behind and never return. There are days I'm sure where everyone on the planet feels that way to a some extent, right? Maybe yeah. maybe not to the the uh, ends that are revealed in the book, and I, you know I wasn't suggesting that either. But a change would be awesome now and then. I love this episode because you were just like I never would came back, and Jason was just like. That's like, <laughs> he was like, I never would have left. I, I would have just, yeah. you know, count sheep. Yeah, well, th- th- there is the difference between Jason and myself. I'm a man of adventure and he's a couch potato. Happy. Yeah. Oh, I should say a Peloton potato. I was just going to say, thank yeah. you very much. Uh, Wendy's at all. Say that again? What was that? So he's not getting Wendy's at all. No, no. He doesn't even look at it because he may get a calorie transfer just by looking at the sign. <laughs> not a carb. Yeah. God bless him. He'll be back. Actually, well, he did. He did carbo load for his uh, the recent ride. He did the benefit ride. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, because he wanted to finish. Right. Yeah. He yeah. Loaded up on muffins and everything like that. So, um, but he did 500 miles. So I'm I'm, I'm proud of him. Uh, and it was a benefit. He, yeah, uh, what is that transfer? How how's that transfer to real running? Is that like a five k or something? Like, I'm I'm being facetious, but five hundred miles on the bike. Yeah, the, the, it doesn't transfer. Like, so if you ran, if you if you biked five hundred miles, if you actually put foot to pavement, what's the translation? Right. Five hundred it, miles. Right? No, it's not. It's not. It's not equal. Oh, because you're thinking of the terrain and everything. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, obviously, you can adjust it so that you know it feels as if like you're going uphill, or so just like a treadmill. 
But I mean, I I get what you're saying, Vince. But 500 miles is still 500 miles. Oh, for hell yeah! But, no, yeah, it's but impressive. I, but as far as the wear and tear on your body, like obviously, yeah. if you're outside in the elements on the concrete, going over hills right. and valleys, you get that that shock every time your heel hits the pavement. You know, like, it's it's a lot of wear and tear on the on the physique. Where yeah. smartly, you're on a bike, it's all muscle, right? I don't I don't know how it works, but uh, it's it's interesting to me. I would like to. At least uh, test drive a Peloton. I know a guy who has one. You can in October. Yeah. There you go. Uh, I am enjoying a Empress gin with some tonic. So it's got a nice little uh, sapphire-like hue with this big-ass cube in the glass. Nice. Let's talk about comics, but before we... Let's do it. Before we do... I have been an absolute shithead and have not thanked some amazing people for uh, various things that they've done for me. So I would like to thank Mitchell, Anthony G, and David Milburn for being just awesome, awesome individuals. And that's it. I I forget. I forget these things. I know, yeah. There there are days where I write it down, and then there are days... When I don't. Actually, I have a box right next to me from Caleb, so let me thank him. Thank you, Caleb. He's, he's a boo. Love that man. He's a boo. Yeah. So, Tony, yes. Mr. Fleece here, was nice enough to slip two preview comics under our door. That's and true. I, and I want to talk about them because you you lit up my damn world with these things. <laughs> oh, good. That's very nice to hear. What, what What do you want to talk about first? Let's oh, you answer. come on. You know me. You know what he wants. To talk I'm about. excited. I want to talk about Army of Darkness Forever Number Four. One. For those of think... you playing at home, it's written by this guy Fleece, with uh, art by Justin Greenwood, color art by Brad Simpson, and Troy Petiri on letters. It's coming out through Dynamite, of course. Dynamite. What's the date that this thing's coming out? October. In the oh, 20th, wow. I think, yeah. It what was the out. date again? I don't know what day. It's sometime in October. Okay, okay. A little bit of backstory uh, for those who aren't Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Sam Raimi fans. Um, Army of Darkness had an ending that... Uh, was uh, very downbeat, and I guess in the uh, the previews didn't do well, or at least not as well as as Sam wanted it to do. So he swapped the ending. It wasn't Sam. It wasn't it was Sam. Dino De Laurentiis, like uh, so, De Laurentiis like got Evil Dead Three, like he was producing it, but he didn't know what why you know what the point was that's why it's not called evil dead 3 or medieval dead uh it's because this guy was just like hey you know we, we got a bruce campbell we'll do the thing wow uh, it's uncanny <laughs> great impression it's really it's good great. i thought he was here with us thanks but in in this case i feel like his instincts were a little bit off and in this case when they showed up with the director's cut ending uh he was just like well we don't want you know like you, you want to see the the hero win in the end and so then they, they reshot. Go on. I'm sorry for, for interrupting. No, I'm glad you interrupted me because I actually thought it was Sam. But now now I, I, I know it's Dino. It makes a whole lot of more sense. 
right. the man responsible for creating a, a life-size King Kong maquette. Great, <laughs> great. Money well spent there, Dino. Uh, October 11th, by the way. There it is. So the end, the original ending was trunk, was, was excised in, ex, in, in favor of an ending where Ash goes back to his own time without calamity and uh, is essentially the hero. Kills, kills the, the dead eye, gets the girl, curtain. And uh, I've always had a problem with that ending because Ash's worst enemy is himself. Right. Yeah. He he has a very short attention span. He um, is is very uh, self-absorbed and headstrong and doesn't follow the script, even when specifically told this is what you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. Well, um, that's exactly what happened, because one of Arthur's um, uh, magicians, it wasn't Merlin, was it? No, they just called him the wise man. Yeah, the wise man. For all intents and purposes, it was Merlin. Um, gives him a potion, and he says, take six, and only six drops of this, and you will slumber until you get to your time, and you'll wake up, and you'll be back home and within your your time period. So, But Ash gets distracted and fucks up and takes more than six, and ends up, and this is the beautiful ending, the proper ending to Army of Darkness, and ends up in a dystopian future. The uh, the world's a mess, robots the whole nine yards, and uh, I thought that ending was brilliant and is very much more in character than the Dino De Laurentiis ending. I mean, the, w- without knowing that that other, I forget when I when I found out that there was an alternate ending. It must have been maybe the laser disc or something. Like we're going back a while on this. Yeah, be for me. Uh, when I found out there was another ending, I was like, holy shit, this is a million times better. Um, and so I've always had a problem. I love the movie. I think the movie's phenomenal, as is, as are all the the uh, movies in the series, all three of them. Uh, but uh, bone of contention with that, that uh, Dino ending. But Mr. Fleece is here to rectify that situation. Because Army of Darkness forever continues the original far better ending yeah that's correct yes it does um and i like the way you get everybody up to speed the necronomicon ex mortis there's even lines directly from the movie in the book which was great um and so uh what happens is and i don't want to spill too much of the beans because uh the absolute overwhelming joy of this book is the last bunch of pages. And I think the less we say about that, the better. So you get Ash going to 2093. No, you know, the old Charlton Heston, you fuckers. And um, then we go back to 1300. Ah, this is cool. And we see Sheila, Ash's love interest from the movie. And she's fighting deadites, and something happens, and another thing happens, and <laughs> and, I, and I don't want to say too much, but then the narrative jumps to 1993, and I was like, "What is what is happening here?" And which leads to the uh, brilliant 
That's a very specific word because I think it is uh, a brilliant uh, flourish by Mr. Fleece and company. I, I called him Frank Darabont. <laughs> and if you don't, thanks for that. No, well, if you don't know what that means, Frank Darabont is one of the very few people, uh, in my estimation, that ever took an original piece of uh, an original creation and made it better. Like the mist, I think Darbont's ending because he was he was screenwriter on that. Darbont as well as director. Darbont's ending to the mist is way better than Stephen King's ending. It just yeah. it's 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 a truth, right? Tony did that with this book, and 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 you guys you have to read it. It's just insane. I was uh, I don't want to use the the David Price indicator for how good a comic is but i was grinning and smiling like an asshole on this book like i so much so i had to text tony it was late last night and i texted him i had to text him i don't do that i don't communicate with people but yeah yeah i i just thought holy crap now obviously you love the source material yes yeah I love the three movies. I love the remake. I, like I love everything Evil Dead, basically. Like I love the show, all of it. Um, and so this was a, a real exciting proposition for me. That um, and when they asked me about it, I said, "Have you ever done, or has anybody ever tried to do a sequel to the original ending?" And they said, "No." And I was uh, sh- shocked, but also delighted because as soon as they said no, I sort of started coming up with. Another. Well, this is exactly what I would do. You know, like, here's here's the way to do this. Um, and the way that you're describing the, the narrative is, I, I basically said, like, all right, well, I'm going to keep the original ending, and then I want to find a way to make everything work. The way the license works is we only have, we can only use Army of Darkness stuff. Um, because, the, because the way the films came out, everybody... All the rights for all these movies are at different places, um, so you can I can use Army of Darkness and I can use the the Evil Dead Two stuff that's in the flashback in Army of Darkness, right? Like that that sort of gets like uh, grandfathered in. Um, but I, I wanted to try and make everything fit, you know, where even though we can't use like Ash versus Evil Dead stuff or Evil Dead Two or remake or Evil Dead Rise stuff, like I wanted to all fit in just. Even though, like, even though you can't see where it connects, you know that, like, oh, this would fit in over there. Um, but the 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 real um, inspiration for it was I was thinking about uh, Jason Aaron's Thor um, and how he did that first Thor run that he did, God of Thunder, was young Thor, Avenger Thor, and then Thor at the end of the world. So I thought, like, all right, well, what if I did, you know, Ash at the end of the world, and then. 1300s follows Sheila, and then what we do at the end, where we're following a different character, um, and then just have, like follow those three different timelines, and then eventually they'll all start to sort of like inf- influence each other and interact with each other. So this is an ongoing. It's uh, well, it's planned. For, it's laid uh, outlined for 12 issues. We're definitely doing six issues, and then assuming that it doesn't sell horribly. Uh, We'll do, we'll do the whole 12. It's a... I'm kind of curious about it myself. Right now. Oh, what's going on? That's not the good. hell? Is somebody calling in? No. No. 
<laughs> from inside the house. But. That's cool. Um, yes, it's twelve. It's planned out for twelve. Oh my! <laughs> it's this. Your pants this on for the, the third time. Is this the UAPs? <laughs> Don't get me started. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, hold on. One, two, three. Um, it's planned out for 12 issues uh, and assuming that it doesn't sell horribly we'll do all 12 if not it's going to be 6 issues with the craziest cliffhanger that you've ever seen so we'll see how that goes yeah that 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 first issue is crazy uh, are you talking about there's a crazy cliffhanger at the end of the 12th issue at the end of 6 oh. 12 like when we get to the end of 12 it like it's a real satisfying ending that I think people will dig. And like my my dream for this is that you know they put it out in the hardcover and you can sit it on the shelf next to your DVDs and your Blu-rays and you go like this fits in right here in the Evil Dead saga. Well, that's like, what I was saying to Jason today. Um, that I doubt that anybody's going to throw more money at Sam to make another Evil Dead Army of Darkness. Well, in this story specifically, like, A, he, he's more interested in, in new talent. Like, he's doing these remakes and stuff. Yeah. He likes doing that stuff. Bruce is, is getting too old for it. Exactly. And, like, he uh, he likes producing no. these new things and being involved with it that way. It, they, I, they can never do this story because it takes Unless they did full, like, Marvel de-aging. But, like, you know, we've seen the beginning of it, and it was 30 years ago. And yeah. they've already told the story of what Ash did next in the TV show. Yes. Yeah. But I said, like uh, Buffy, it would be really cool if you got to continue the storyline in the comics. Yeah. And that's... That, I mean, that is a good, a real good comparison, because I do count that Buffy season eight as, like, the the actual next chapter of Buffy. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, most fans of the show do, right? Yeah. It well, came right from the source. Only difference is, yeah, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not Sam Raimi or Rob Tappert, uh, but I, you know, I feel like their spirit lives in me. I think so too. I think you've thought about this a lot. I definitely have, and uh, and I'm treating it like I would treat one of my own. Cre- like I don't have, uh, I haven't figured out yet what the switch is you're supposed to switch over when you're doing, you know, licensed uh, when you're just doing a job rather than doing a creator own book. Uh, so I'm, I'm treating this as if it's my own, you know, project and, yeah. and either working with the editor has, has been sort of on board with that too. Like, who should we get for the color? Should we get to draw this? All that stuff. Like I've, I've been pretty involved in all that stuff. Well, I think, sorry, I, I think that's a piss poor way to approach a product, uh, project. Like I don't own this. This isn't my stuff, but so I'm going to, I'm going to lowball it and just get it done. Like that's not you. Right. Well, and I and I'm not like established enough yet that I feel like I could I could take a like I could shit one out and and have people come back for the next book. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm, you, I'm still operating under that auspice where I have to hit, do it correctly every time. You got the magic touch lately. Like I don't know. I mean, I'm ecstatic to see it happening, but it seems like everything you touch is yeah. really good. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely feel like I'm. Uh, like I have a level of confidence and I sort of am trusting my decisions lately. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, like having that one real big success, but also just sort of like 
it was funny like walking around comic-con this year and like taking meetings with people and talking to people and stuff i don't know if i'm i'm, I'm sort of cocky but you know c- combined with my normal self-effacing whatever it's a weird combination because i'm just like well i suck but this motherfucker better not think I suck, because otherwise he's a big idiot. Well, you're <laughs> lying to yourself. You don't. Seriously, so. yeah. Well, you know how it is. You know how, how right. your brains are all mushed up and just <laughs> awful. Yeah, it's just fear. Yeah. Fear's the but mind I, killer. I have less fear uh, right right now than I had, say, two years ago or three years ago. So, And it's it's definitely freeing creatively to, to trust your instincts like I've been doing recently. So we'll see. And Greenwood did a great job on the on the yeah, art. Did. Yeah, I think it works really well. Um, th- again, I have a problem with a lot of Evil Dead, Army of Darkness related comics, uh, particularly the John Bolton one. Yeah, because I think it's far too realistic, and it he used a lot of reference in it. I mean, you can't you can and can't blame the guy. I'm sure um, you know he he used what he had and and he approached it with the methodology he always employs, but that's, I have a problem with a lot of John Bolton's work because it's, it always looks referency and stiff to me. Um, but this I think is loose and not cartoony, but it's, it's very expressive and animated. And I think that fits the army of darkness aesthetic perfectly because, um, Army of Darkness was a cartoony movie, especially the violence. The violence is is, is straight out of cartoons. So I, I think I, I agree. And and that's a thing that we're trying to do a little bit more like I'm I'm sneaking in a lot of violence in this thing. Uh because I because that is one like one of my drawbacks with the movie is I was just like, it's like I love it, but I wish it was disgusting, you know? Like I just wish that that it was ten times gorier. And and definitely when they're doing these new ones and and the remakes and the TV show and stuff that they obviously saw like that's our lane, and so like Ash vs Evil Dead or the remakes are just like full on disgusting, right. and so we're trying to to slip a little more gore into this even though the licensor is like we like to try and keep it at around like a you know PG thirteen hard PG thirteen I'm like okay. And then I'll just be like, all right, in this one, so we slice them open, and then they're pulling the guts out, and she's poking his eyeballs, you know, like, yeah, uh, that stuff's a lot of fun to write. And but also the way that Justin uh, uh, delineates it, it does have like that charming. I think it's okay to call it cartoony. I would call Justin a cartoonist. Cool. Uh, but yeah, it's like it, it's disgusting, but it has a a, a a lot of charm. Yeah, I was happy with the violence. Yeah, you, you guys then, aren't pulling any punches. That, yeah. But there's one scene that really, in Army of Darkness, the movie, that really boggles my mind. Because as you said, it doesn't go there with the violence. And up until then, there was never any nudity in Army, in in the Evil Dead movies. There was, it was hinted at in, with the tree rape, right? Yeah. You saw, you thought you saw more than you did because Raimi's a great filmmaker and he can he can mesmerize you. But that one scene where where Bad Ash is on the throne and they drag the naked slave girls across the screen, I was like, where's this coming from? This, this I, bet, I bet that's Dino as well. I would think because if you look at the resolution of that scene, it almost looks like it was filmed on a different stock at a different time than the other stuff in the movie. Yeah. And they just kind of like, spliced it in because it there's no there's no precedent to that 
Not that there has to be, but it just felt out of place. Like, I didn't mind seeing the naked slave girl, but it just, uh, because then he doesn't do anything with the slave girls. He's, yeah. de- he's dead. <laughs> he's a deadite. Like, what's he going you know, to, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, um, the, it, it's, a, it's a wonderfully strange movie. That's the way I, the best way I can put it. Yeah. It, it works, has it. Works better in context, I think, than out of context. Like, oh, yeah. As a part of, of that trilogy or as a part of that whole saga, like, uh, it, it works very well. And the reason I love that ending, too, is because the ending of Evil Dead 2 was so crazy that then you have to raise the stakes with the ending of Evil Dead 3, right? Like, the end exactly. of Evil Dead, just out of nowhere, they throw this guy back to the Middle Ages uh, in a, in, you know, like a cabin in the woods horror movie. Uh, and so, like, that's wild. That's super wild. And and the original ending of this, where they throw him, you know, 100 years into the future, the post-apocalypse, like, that's awesome. You know, like, that's really raising the stakes. And, and it's, like, a ton of fun figuring out, like, well, all right, what's that future look like? What happened? You know, like, how did they blow up the world? You know, and, and we're going to learn all that stuff, you know? Nice, nice. Well, I think the... The future ending works really well because it's conceptually the same thing as as Army of Dark as um, Evil Dead Two ending. Only it's the antithesis, right? You had the medieval times. Oh, now we're going to the future. He's still flung far out of his time frame. One is archaic and one is advanced, even though it's apocalyptic. So it, it makes conceptual sense. I, I I thought the ending was was amazing. And I yeah. was like, all right, Ash is going to fight robots. Like, okay, that's cool. Let's see him do it. Um, so where do you stand? Um, there's all, everyone always picks a side. Evil Dead or Evil Dead 2? I am a, I'm an Evil Dead. Uh, I like uh, my horror movies a little more uh, horrifying. A little, like the, I, like I was never a Three Stooges guy, and so like that part of the Evil Dead to Army of Darkness stuff is is the part that is most lost on me. Like I don't hate it, but it's just like all right, this is, I'm I'm okay if I have to go to the bathroom during this part or whatever. Yeah, I'm kind of saddened that that part of Evil Dead Two has taken such a strong hold over the franchise. What with the little people in Army of Darkness, and there's a lot of Stooge ish. Humor yeah. in Ash versus Evil Dead. I'm with you. I love the first movie. Yeah, I agree. There's something within those frames that I you can't quantify. I can't put a name to it or tell you specifically why it it speaks to me. But there is a murky, dark, icky evil in that first movie. Well, and also it was cheap and dirty, and but also innovative. Where uh Sam Raimi wasn't just making doing like making shots and choices that to to approximate what people that had more of a budget would do he was doing stuff that people that had a budget would never even think of like right. the same that, like Robert Rodriguez would you know 10 years after that uh like he he was making a whole different kind of thing and but in the first one uh because I think they were sort of uh being like Clearly, they were being tentative, right? Like, he wasn't going full Raimi yet. Uh, and so, he, like, they were just like, all right, well, let's just make it scary. And then when they once they sort of were themselves feeling their own confidence, they came back and they're like, all right, well, let's show them what we're really about. And what they're about is they are also goofballs. 
Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, that first one, it feels like, it just feels like grimy, but also like, the, just the idea of that, like that shot where the, where the wind, like you're in the POV of the evil spirit possessing somebody is so cool. Yep. And just come, coming from out of the forest, out of nowhere, busting through doors and, you know, it's great. And it's all practical. Like there's even stop motion animation in the first one. I mean, there's some in the, in the second with the, the headless dance. But in the first one, like when when the deadites are are melting, that's all stop motion animation. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, suffice to say, though, without the participation of Bruce Campbell, we may, may not even be talking about these movies today. Oh, for sure. He's the magic sauce in 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 all of the films. So much so that like like the the level of charisma that he had. You know, like, I can't tell you the name of any other man in any other slasher movie, horror movie, you know. But, like, you know, as soon as you see one of these movies, you're like, oh, that guy, Ash, he rules, you know. Right. Even before he was, like, you know, the star of the show, the big character, you know, like, just in the first one, he's just a guy. I don't know. I can't, like, I'm writing the comic, and I can't tell you the names of everybody else in Evil Dead 1, but I know Ash for sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all shimps anyway. <laughs> all right. Um, Dap, anything to add? Uh, not that... Um... Yeah, not for me. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> I got it like it. I appreciate the Evil Dead stuff. I, I The first one I saw was Evil Dead 2. Um, dude I hung out with in, in high school, we rented it one weekend and I absolutely loved it. Um, I don't know if I've seen the first one all the way through. Um, and I enjoyed the hell out of Ash, Ash versus evil dead, the show. Um, but no, I, I, I think the, uh, I, I just, I really, I'm not a big horror guy, but I do love Bruce Campbell and I, I, I appreciate the different, the way the story is approached with with the horror with the comedy with the just with with so many horror movies either feel forced or just so full of make-believe and, and yeah obviously evil dead isn't really based in realism but the reactions of the characters in the movies and 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 how they handle the situations um make a lot of sense and i just i i find myself actually i kind of want to do a rewatch now and and after reading reading the first issue um of forever i kind of uh i'm I'm kind of in the mood and i may actually you know fire up max this weekend and and check out evil dead rise oh yeah i yeah. haven't seen it yet yeah, uh, you'll do did, yeah. did you like the remake? oh yes i loved it yeah it had a lot of the same spirit as the OG. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I I bought the, the freaking soundtrack from Mondo for Evil Dead, not even seeing the movie. I'm like, it, order. Just cool. because it's it's Evil Dead related and it, it, the, the the production on the the set, of course, it's Mondo, was yeah. amazing. So I was like, yeah, it's got to be mine. Got to get this. Yeah, I put that on sometimes when I'm writing it, the, the remake score. That thing rules. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. All right, so I'm I'm just going to shut up and take a back seat to you 
because the other book that you sent us is a love letter. And who better to tell you the details of the per- of the, the story involving that love letter than the person that wrote the damn thing. So it's called Local Man Gold. And of course it was created in collaboration with uh, Tony's boo, Tim Seeley. His other boo. His other, That's well, his, his work boo. There you go. Yeah. Um, but if you don't know what this is, I think you need to be a certain age to get in on the, the concept. Because if, if you're under 25, you're going to have to do a little bit of research for this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's cast in the Deathmate mold. Or just go back and listen to the episode that Tony was on where we discussed Deathmate. Or do that. Yeah. I thought about that when when I was getting ready to come on today. So like, yeah, like that probably was an inspiration for this, just doing that reread, us having that argument about it. Because because uh, yeah, local man gold is it, first of all FOCs on Monday. So if you're listening to this, uh, call your shop immediately and tell them you wanted to order you a local man gold. Um, it's a it's if you didn't read local man yet, it's fine. It's a it's a perfect jumping on point. There's a little previously on, uh, like every it's a it's a self-contained one-shot issue, but it is definitely a deathmate. Like it's just uh, Tim and I were wrapping up the first arc and we were figuring out what the second arc was, and I texted him one day and I said, "Hey, what if we did a deathmate where uh, just local man uh, is summoned to the police station and they have his 1990s superhero version of himself there." tossed out of time and uh they, they have to go on an adventure together and it's sort of fun because it's like uh the premise of our book is this sort of like uh midlife crisis like somebody dealing with the the things they did in the past and and who they were and sort of like wishing they had done things differently and then having him just be faced with that fucking person and then have the the person you know like his young self looking at what he turned into and just going like, Oh Jesus, is this what happens to? So, uh, that was sort of the premise of this book is let's do a big old image comics crossover, but have it just be about, you know, that very personal, uh, you know, feeling of, uh, I wish I would have done things differently. And what would my younger self think of me if they saw, you know, what I turned into? Nice. See, like our book of the month last episode, night fever, Everybody can get behind this. This is a feeling that most people have. Like, man, if 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 my younger self could see me now, they probably wouldn't even recognize me. Yeah, as being them. And, and this one for sure, because he's wearing a mask as well. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, is it okay to reveal the the person or the 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 creature entity pulling the strings yeah, behind yeah. all this? We can talk about all of it. Uh, up until the part that I said we can't talk about. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought it was really smart to use Phantoma as as yeah. the big bad. Number one, public domain. Yeah. Um, but I just think that whole Fletcher Hanks aesthetic, uh, weirdo, bonkers comics. Like, from the get-go, knowing Phantoma's behind it, I'm like, this is off the rails, the the this this uh, dimension spanning calamity is just craziness, and the conceptual 
idea behind all of that was basically just the idea of making a Deathmate. Like, Deathmate was Image Comics heroes versus Valiant heroes, and Valiant had their own characters, but then they also famously had these Silver Age characters that they had licensed. So, like, Solar Man of the Atom and Magnus Robot Fighter and Turok. Um, and so we thought, like, all right, well, what could we do that's like that? And then it was just like, oh, what well, if we use Golden Age characters? And we could just have that, like, in in the concept of this world, in the world where there was a third-gen comic in the 90s, there was also, you know, a Valiant that was doing, you know, Golden Age characters, you know. And so that's, that's like, what the con- conceptual thrust behind that is. But that also, that's just, like, right, we just need to have a bad guy chasing him around the issue as well and that has, like, a that's tied into the thematic thrust of the whole thing. So Phantom was like the big bad behind the thing, but then we also meet the flame. Who's a Will Eisner, Lou Fine creation, uh, who like got amalgam together with Crossjack. And so in the story we have, you know, Crossjack, the 90 superhero, we have Jack, who's like the 2023, you know, lovable schlub trying to get his shit together. And then we have the flame who like up until now had been living like a merged amalgam life with this guy knows all of his, you know, secrets and deep, dark, you know, insecurities and all this stuff. And also like thinks that that makes this world suck so that he has to chase this guy down. He, he hates the world because he used to like, he also hates the world because of Jack. Does that make yeah, sense? No, it's pretty damn smart. And, and it's, it's beautifully illustrated in the double page splash that I pulled from this issue that you can see on 11oclockcomics.com. Go to the episode thread, click on it. There'll be a gallery and you can gaze in wide wonder at this splash because you have iterations of the characters. Like you have the flame and cross Jack and young crush. Like that was really smart. You didn't, well, for the less intelligent you had to, but for, for perceptive readers, you really didn't have to explain it. It's like all these characters, well, they're kind of sort of all the same. Well, we didn't um, – originally, we weren't even going to do the flip side on this issue because, like, those crossover issues, your Deathmates and your Image United, like, those weren't flip books. Right. Um, but then as we got deeper into the story, we were like, I guess we do have – it would be a good idea to show this amalgam world and it coming apart and, like, and sort of set the stakes of that. Um, so it's, 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 yeah, it's that two page spread. And then there's another page. It's a sh- real short flip side on this issue, but it is sort of just like sort of setting the table for, for what this adventure oh, is. Yeah. Cause you can't even tell from the, the preview that there, that's what you guys did. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. The PDF I sent you, it just comes, it all comes in a row, but yeah, that's the, the flip, flip book part. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, and I, I, I take offense at the project superhero, uh, characters being used as ne'er-do-wells. <laughs> especially well, especially madam mask like no no that's only if you uh count project superheroes as canon right like in, in this world that all that stuff happened before project superheroes okay because like black terror gets shit on in this he book sure it's like no <laughs> no no but no it's, it's wonderful that's all Seely stuff too like Seely has a real a sort of george perez uh, urge to draw every character that every ha- ever had a costume on, and so when we're when we're planning this thing out, and he's like, "Oh, and then we could have this character in it, and this character, and this character." And I'm just like, "Bro, 
this is so many Golden Age characters that you're like, I'm glad you like them because I was just like, who knows who these characters are? But it's you know. it's it must be extremely gratifying to be paired with someone with that kind of enthusiasm for what you're doing. Well, for sure. And and working on this one, like I wouldn't have had the idea to do this book the way we did it uh, if it hadn't if we hadn't already been making the book and sort of like passing pages back and forth and collaborating like that. Because basically, this book like this being a big image crossover is fun because we did it image United style where I draw all the, you know, modern day people. And then Tim draws all the superheroes and the image characters and flashback, uh, cross Jack and stuff like that. And so, uh, like that, that only occurred to me because we had been sort of like, I would say like Tim, uh, hey, I need this on this page. Can you draw in? Like on the on the first series, it was like, hey, I don't know what all this tech is supposed to look like. Can you just sketch some stuff in there? And then he would just go in on Procreate file and just draw in. You know, like here's what the tech should look like. And then I would go and ink over that. Or there was one uh, in issue three, I think, of the book. Tim was like, I want to put two more pages in at the end. And I was like, I don't have time to draw two more pages at all. And he was like, Well, I'll just pencil them, and then you can just ink them. And so, uh, and that worked out great. So we had been collaborating like real closely on this to the point where when I had the idea for this, it was like, oh, we should just be drawing on the same pages and passing them back and forth. And so like, that's a, like a real fun part of this and, and, and sort of makes it like a unique, not wholly unique. Like there's a bunch of comics that have done this, but like they, they don't come out every day. Right. And for eagle eyed readers, there is a tip of the hat to Image United in this book, other oh, than yeah. other than the conceptual tip of the hat. There, yeah. There's a, a physical, yeah. real tip of the hat to that. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Now, yeah. I've talked, I, I, I spoke to Tim on a number of occasions, but I, I never asked him this, maybe because I didn't want him to think I was a creep, but you can answer this. Isn't yeah. he an ass man? <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Tim is a, uh, but Tim, I think nobody has been sort of more liberated by like the sex positive... You know, like, <laughs> like if you're not an actual creep, you know, like where somebody like, you know, you're not going to get me too. You're just a guy that's horny, you know? Yeah. Uh, he he's sort of been unleashed by this this new world we're living in. I was going to call it the new like Lizzo forward world, but I guess that's not the world we're in anymore. Uh, but like, <laughs> like we're just allowed to be horny. Uh, he's really, you know, reveling in it. He's loving it. Yes. Okay. Because Clearly, Erica to draw asses yes he's very good at it and they're they're quite pronounced yes because like erica and and madame mask they are bootylicious without being disturbingly exaggerated like he enhances but he doesn't explode yeah and we're leaning we're leaning into that too like the 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 plan for local man is we did this first arc and then this special and then a second arc and then after the second arc we're doing another special, and that one's going to be like the bad girl special. Oh. Uh, so we're sort of like trying to hit all the parts of the '90s stuff that like nobody else uh, fucks with, and the, and we feel like we can say something about. It, and so we're going to do that, dude. Yeah, Babe Watch. Believe me, <laughs> believe me, we'll call it Babe Watch. We're not going to do a gender swap, but yeah, obviously. Oh. Somebody needs to put some respect on Babe Watch's name. And but is, isn't it amazing that 
that Babe Watch month was it where all of the the image characters swap genders? Yeah, that's Marvel's playbook this these days. <laughs> Rob Liefeld was a true pioneer. Yeah, and everybody like side eyed Babe Watch when it came out. Like, oh geez, you know who thought of that? That was what's interesting is none of those characters stayed that way. You know, like, I think if they did it now, like, if you did that event now, I'd, first of all, they just wouldn't <laughs> because it's, you know, like, a little dicey. Uh, but I think, they like, it would have all, that wizard lady would have turned everybody back, except one of them would now be, be swapped for, for life. And, yeah. that, like, that cool story idea. I think the one that should have stayed swapped was Shaft. Yeah, Shaft girl was sexy. She was hot and ridiculous to call a woman Shaft. Shaft. that's so silly she she'd be trying to to escape the name for the rest of her existence but um yeah and and again when when the the team is assembled there's there's one character among them where um a good amount of time is focused on her buttocks yeah Yeah. well well, let's talk about the team too because that's that's one of the most exciting things about this book well you do it i don't want to yeah so me and Tim, the idea was do this Im- old image style crossover where it's our guy in in the year 2023 uh, coming face to face with his past self and sort of having to work with the his past self who he hates. Um, but then also along with his past self should be a bunch of other image heroes, um, and then and then we have a reason why they're all you know stuck together in this in this adventure. Um, but at that point it becomes like, all right, who can we get? Uh, because like, it's like, there's no business on the other end of this. Like we don't make a ton of money on local man. So it's not like we're coming to somebody saying like, we'll give you, you know, $5,000 if we can use boof or something, you know, it's basically just all handshakes, all emails, you know, like, would it be cool if we did this? And And it works for everybody else because for this month, you know, or for however long we're talking about local man gold, uh, we're promoting these other people's stuff as much as we're promoting our own stuff, you know? So we reached out to a bunch of our friends and some of them are mutual friends. Some of them are people that just Tim knows. And some of them are people that just, I know, I think. Um, but we got, uh, the team that the local, the Jack, uh, ends up on is, uh, fire breather by Phil Hester and Andy Kuhn, uh, scrap from dynamo five, uh, by Jay Fairber and your boy Mahmoud Asrar. Yes, sir. And uh, Boof from Boof and the Bruce Crew. <laughs> so, Todd McFarlane. So, so stupid. Original <laughs> o. Smith and John Cleary. Who John Cleary is the one person I like. I know where he is. He makes statues now. He's he's way out of comics. But like, if we could get anybody to do a local man anything, it would be John Cleary. <laughs> Dude, it's so dumb. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Striker from Cyber Force and, yep. and codename Strike Force. And then uh, Jim Rugg Street Angel, uh, Jim Rugg and Brian Maruka. Um, so, like, that's the team that they're on. And, and, and the conceit, or the, like, the concept is that there's, there's teams like this on this, doing missions like this scattered all throughout time. So, you can imagine that somewhere there's a team that's, you know, like, Prophet and Savage Dragon and you know like Voodoo or whatever you know like yeah. all mixed 
together and on adventure together spawn you know and you know uh, mighty man and vanguard super patriot yeah exactly uh, but yeah that's our group and we and the fun of it was like striker is a total badass and fire breather super powerful but then also like because of the way jack uh like feel about himself and about his younger self to have him be on a team that's just like oh it's a <laughs> we got boof here <laughs> and you know like if we, you know part of him feels like oh, of course this is the team huh? it's this little girl who has a skateboard and boof you know uh, so that that was the fun of it but also just like all of them are books that we fucking love like i tim had to re- acquaint himself with boof uh, when we had the idea, because I, I was just like, he was like, I know people at McFarland, and before he could say Spawn, I was like, ask them if we can get Boof. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, uh, I, okay. And so it did. And at Comic-Con, we heard the story of uh, of them asking Todd McFarland if it would be okay for us to use Boof, and it was uh, beautiful, like a, a real <laughs> heartwarming story for me, because people are always asking if they can use Spawn, you know? And he's very protective of Spawn, uh, and and sometimes you know like really, Spawn just popped up in Philadelphia, um, but that's like a you know obviously like Gates and Alexander, and and he have a, a real relationship and like that makes a lot of sense. But people are all day long just going like, hey, can we put Spawn in this or that? And, uh, and they had just done that big month of Spawn covers, where where every issue had a had a, had a Spawn cover on it. And I feel like he was feeling um, like on the one hand, he was psyched about it because he's like got like spawns everywhere. But on the other hand, he's just like, oh, man, everybody wants, you know, like feeling a little bit used. And so they went in and they said, uh, hey, we got a request uh, from one of these uh, one of these image books they want to use on the characters. And he's like, oh, what, who is it? What is it? And they're like, oh, it's local, man. And he's like, yeah, yeah it makes sense, I guess, for the concept. And they go, uh, well, they want to use Boof. And he said, what? <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Like, you really lit up. Uh, so very exciting for us to get to, to bring Boof. The first Boof in like 30 years. Very exciting for me. It, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. That's, yeah. That's a claim to fame now. That's... Um... Forget yeah. about all the forget about all the My Little Pony stuff. You brought Boof back. <laughs> I guess, well, the only... That's my only uh, regret about this thing is that Tim got to draw all the superheroes, so I never drew Boof. Oh. There's still Tim and John Cleary are the only people to ever draw Boof in comics. Well, there that. we go. Now prepare for a whole lot of commissions of Boof. <laughs> well, look, that's the dream. If I could just do Boofs from now on, like like I do My Little Ponies, that'd be great for dogs. How, how protective can he really be of Spawn though? If like you know, Simon Stransky's drawing it. Oh, not anymore. Dare. Yeah, not, not anymore. anymore. I know, but he did. Yeah, yeah he did. He sure did. <laughs> he he seems to have makes that money. Yeah, he's, he's more protective of it, just like letting people borrow it, like we did for Booth. Like, like I said, we didn't pay for this. It was just a handshake deal. Right. Um, and so he, he's protective of that sort of thing, where it's just like, are these people going to take my character and just you know, t- you know, if we had used Spawn, it would be Spawn everywhere. We'd put him right on the cover, and we'd be trying to sell it like as if it was a Spawn thing. Uh, but this is clear. We're not taking advantage. We're doing it just because we love, you know, Todd McFarlane, and we love, you know, like in my case, I love Boof. Uh, and Tim, as I said, a new Boof convert. You're so weird. <laughs> the there's a couple of quips 
in this issue delivered by Jesse, uh, Street yeah. Angel, that are just flat out brilliant. And I, and I don't want to spoil them, uh, but th- she does not take any shit. Yeah. And has focused on one particular character as being the whipping boy. And I thought, that's beautiful. That is just perfect. Well, that, yeah, I don't want to spoil that either, but the 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 payoff of that thing, like when the whipping boy gets to sort of like do the whipping, mm-hmm. is, uh, is a joke that I've had in my back pocket for 15 years. Like 15 <laughs> yeah. years ago, yeah. Yeah. me and a buddy pitched Cyberforce to Top Cow. And it, it was like, it was before My Little Pony, it was before I was anything. And they were like, and, and I wrote this joke and I was like, when we get this book, I want to do this joke. And he was like, all right, slow down. First, we got to get the book. And we didn't end up getting the book. Uh, but I still just was just like, man, that's the only character that this joke works on. And so one, like, I guess <laughs> maybe one day, if everything works out right, I'll get to use this sometime. And it, and it all worked out. I finally got there. So yeah, that all that Street Angel stuff is all just setting up this one big payoff that I've had, that I've wanted to do for my whole life. Hopefully, hopefully it's it res, you know resonates with people. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Now I I don't know um, what your relationship is um, with your parents. Um, uh-huh. They 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 both still around. Yeah. Excellent. Um, but. Uh, there's one panel in this issue in particular that I thought was beautiful. Oh, thank you. Is and it you, is, was it mom? Yeah. The, oh, one, the yeah. one where she's on the phone and the flowers. Yeah. Yeah. That panel is outstanding. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously the way I draw this book is is different than the way I normally draw. Like, I do this with photo reference. I shoot actors or, you know, friends or models or whatever. Um and the lady that plays Jack's mom, uh, like I, I had a real, I had to get in and get out real quick, uh, like shooting her for this issue. Like she was, she had been sick and her husband's been sick. So it was just like scheduling was tough to get it going. And so we got together and I was just like, bang, bang, bang took, like, I always just take pictures real quick because I know that whatever I end up with, I'm going to be redrawing it and fixing it, you know, when I'm drawing it anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, that one. I always take like I'll, I'll come back from uh, shooting with models and I'll have like you know 800 pictures or something and I'm only going to need you know like 30 of them. Um, but that one I think I just had like two pictures and I was like oh that's it yeah we're good here and then and then yeah just sort of like tweaking it and and changing the expression a little bit and sort of like t- trying to put that uh, uh, emotion into it. But uh, I'm glad it worked for you. I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, there's. Re- not, not that I'm not saying your other panels don't have this, but there, there's a, a palpable emotion in that panel that I, you know because you're you're a creative individual and you pull from life experiences to make your art, and you must have been pulling from something really deep on that panel because you can feel it. You know, what's crazy is when I was drawing it, I had I just went through all my comics and got rid of a bunch of stuff, and but I found a like three or four copies of my first book in my lifetime. And the very last page of that book too is me having a conversation on the phone with my mom. And there's a panel in that. That's like the 20 years ago version of that same panel. I'll send it to you after the. Yeah, after please. The it's crazy how like 
I, I drew that before and it's almost the, it's almost the same thing just you know one's cartoony and one's realistic it sounds like the universe has a plan for you it does right yeah uh, either that or you're unlocking the right things to proceed on whatever plan it has for you because you I mean you don't have to comply right yeah uh, but it it just seems like whatever you're doing is clicking cosmically well, I think I'm just at work all the time, and so whatever else has happened in my life just ends up going into the work eventually. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, downplay it. I wouldn't. Do- I, I. I mean, yeah, it, it's a, it's a little woo woo, and and again, you know, tinfoil hat. But yeah. I, I, I just think you're plugged into something. Your current existence, you're plugged into something really special. I mean, look at these two books; they couldn't be more different, and they're yeah. both outstanding. And then. You, you know, stray dogs. Like you've been on a on a real cycle of success. You've yeah, earned well, it. Like you've earned it. You, you've worked to this point where you you've become this creative person that you are now, and you're just you're just annihilating it. Well, I'm working on these two. Uh, I'm also there's two other books that I'm writing at the same time that are that won't be out until like next year. Uh, but those are also all all very different, and it's sort of fun to have like these different you know like i don't know if it's going to end up being a strength or a weakness in the long run but most of the stuff that i'm that i make is you know like you couldn't tie it together except for it being just like oh this is pretty good you know like or or, you know if you like it more than that that's cool but that's that's sort of what i'm hoping my lane ends up being is like oh tony fleece yeah that would be pretty good you know you can check that out for sure nice well i mean if you look at the output of stephen king he does work more or less within the horror genre, but all of his books are just drastically different. Yeah. Yeah. So you're the Stephen King of comics. <laughs> A lot of people have said it. Uh, yeah. Often, <laughs> often, often I've that to myself. Now, is this going to have a cardstock cover with the foil? Like uh, a foil cover. I don't know. I don't know how cardstocky it's going to be. We're, we're talking to production right now. I just did all the, fixed all the typos and, made sure all the blacks were the right blacks and did all that stuff today. Um, and, and we're talking about what color foil it's, you know, which gold it's going to be. Awesome. Um, so it'll definitely be foil. I don't know how, how thick it's going to be. It just depends. It'll probably be about the same as if you got the, the foil issue one, it'll be that same, same level. Of thickness. Oh, nice. Uh, so there, you're not perfect biting this. No, yeah, it's only th- so, like thirty-five pages, thirty-six pages. Sal stitched. So yeah, it'll nice. be a Sal staple. Yeah, Sal staple. Yeah, awesome. The uh, approaching this local man gold. I, I'm just obviously it's not the same thing, but the amount of characters um, that you guys worked with, you specifically, Tony, did it feel like at any point? Did it feel like? Um, any of the like working with the other licensed properties like ponies like army of darkness anything like that or what did you just approach it like i'm just writing a superhero comic um it wasn't like the approach was interesting what what was cool about this one is that all of the first arc of local man pretty much tim and i had a were very much on the same page and and like we had it all figured out and then coming up to the second arc and local man gold we, we kept like sending stuff back and forth and we were missing each other, you know, and, and it wasn't because we, we both didn't want the same things. It was just like, I don't think you understand. So Tim, uh, flew out here for like 
two, three days, two days. And we just had like a full, like, you know, local man summit here at the house. And it was just like, we'll just be in here. We'll figure out the story and, and sort of put it all together. And the, the point of each of the characters in there, cause, cause we had permission to use other characters and, and part of it was like, all right, well, we don't want there to be too many to clutter up the story. And we want to make sure each one of the characters in the story gets to do something and gets to have like, you know, a beginning, middle and end. This character shows up here and what's their arc or what's their story. So like Scrap has a thing that she's there to do. And Street Angel has a thing that she's there to do. And Stryker definitely has a thing that he's there to do. So it's just like uh, it was about we knew what Jack's deal was. Uh, well, we, we knew what Jack's uh, problem was, like what the dilemma was that he was having to face. He's got this this version of himself there that he can't stand, and he has to stop the world from blowing up with him. But then figuring out, like, well, what's the personal of it? What's the part of it that's like local man? And so then that's where the parents come in, and that's where all the all our other characters and how they interact and how he fits into the world that he's in now. So uh, it it was different than than writing Local Man was, and it was also different than writing uh, ponies or stray dogs or anything else. Like this one was a like real special. Like, sort of, figured, you know, what it was most like is when I wrote the Pony TV show and was in the writers' room for that. It was sort of like that, just like collaborating in person with people, going back and forth, and sort of like. How does this fit fit in, and how can we make this work? And yeah, gotcha. I, I think it's the best local man so far. And yeah, I mean, me too. And I hopefully it works as like uh, people pick it up and go like, oh yeah, the trade comes out next month. I'll get well, that too. It expands the universe of local man. I mean, up until now, it's been pretty limited to insular, yeah. right insular insular to the small town, but now you've just opened up the you've swung wide the doors and it we don't want to say who appears in this but it it touches on a lot of corners of the image universe um one of the hooks uh is to a very high profile image series by a i guess you could call him a powerhouse a friend of the show oh yeah i forgot too uh yeah uh, Joan from from Love Everlasting is in this too. I always yeah, well, I was gonna keep it a secret, but <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, so was I. But like that's in the preview pages. Like she's not part of the the team team, but she's involved in this in this story, and she's sort of like the MacGuffin that they end up chasing after eventually. Um, uh, but that was fun too because I love Elsa, um, and I love Tom's writing, um, and Tom obviously is real tight with Tim Seeley. Like I, I I wasn't involved in the. Uh, love everlasting negotiations at all i was just there to you know to read the book and then go like oh what if she said this or you know throw a couple lines in there but uh but yeah and she's the one i think when tim draws them he does duncan from fire breather in a real amy cooney style yeah and, and he does uh joan in a real elsa style yeah and then oh, yeah. the other ones he's sort of just doing tim like he's he like he's like sometimes he gets like his most top cowie, but you know it's 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 all Tim at the end of the day. But those ones, the way he draws Joan uh, and the way he draws Duncan, I, I had a lot of fun, you know, seeing those pages come in because I was just like, wait, it looks just like Andy. I almost I almost had to check to see if if I missed Elsa's name in the credits for for those panels. It it's yeah. it looks really good. What I what I do appreciate about this issue is yeah, it's you can pick it up. It's 
technically a, a, a one shot and, and you're, you're going to get a bang for your buck. But if you are reading local man, it picks up where the arc ended and it's, it lets you know what's coming next is, is, are you continuing the numbering? Or are you going back to number one? No, it'll be number six. Uh, issue six is solicited in the new uh, lunar previews, or whatever it's called uh, right now. And then, uh, so the next arc will be uh, six, seven, eight, nine, and then that trade will be local man gold, and then six, seven, eight, nine. If, oh, you're, cool. if you're not caught up on local man, though, there is a incy teensy spoiler within the recap. Oh, that is true. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. 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 But I mean, you should be caught up on local man, you slackers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, the, the, the love interest, the, the, the MacGuffin is that, uh, of course, um, when she falls in love, time, t- time folds. Right. And so some with the the whole uh, caveat is they're trying to get her to fall in love with one of them. So all these characters can get back to where they belong and and stop this whole uh, cosmic brouhaha. And the person she latches onto was not the person I thought she was going to fall in love with. I, I, you know, because it's local man, I'm like, oh, it's got to be Jack. He's going to do this thing that I see him doing. And she's going to be like, oh, but that's not the way it turned out. I was like, holy shit. You're even pulling the rug out from under me on, on what I thought was the obvious choice. Like, what? No, it's, it's cool. It is very cool. It's wonderful. It is Boof, yeah. Boof saves the day. She falls in love with Boof. Who wouldn't? Yeah. He's well, so he's probably hung. But he's sitting there, I don't know, he's blowing bubbles and, and, and getting gum out of the vending machines in the bathroom, at the gas station bathroom, so. Yeah, yeah he's all set that way. He's going to be safe. That's it's right. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just the, the, the interplay between uh, Street Angel and Boof is, is great, and, and Street Angel and Stryker. It's just great. It's wonderful. It's, it's just go, you have to, what'd you say the final order cutoff is tomorrow? Monday. 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 Order this damn thing. It yeah. is really well done. No, no surprise because it's from Tony and Tim. But it's it's just it was extremely fun to read this thing. Not only because we know you guys, but because you, you're you're pulling the heartstrings of like thirty plus years of image love. Right. It's a love letter. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. And we sort of wanted it to work. Obviously, it's a sampler for local man, right? Like. Uh, you pick this up, and if you like it, then pick up the trade, or grab the back issues, or jump on for the next, you know, next arc or whatever. But also, you know, we wanted it to sort of work as a advertisement for Love Everlasting, or for the Cyberforce hardcover, or for you know, dollar bins, or you know, grab your Fire Breather hardcovers, or, or your Fire Breather trades, or your Dynamo Five trades. Um, yeah. like, like we heard from retailers when the series was first coming out. Like, uh, people, young people came in who weren't around in the 90s and they would buy Local Man and just be like, what's this? That's so cool. And then they would come back in and get in the dollar bins. Or oh, nice. That's have, awesome. Of uh, Omnibus that just came out. Or, you know, like it has sort of worked for some, some retailers as uh, like a gateway drug, which that, I mean, nothing would make me happier than if, if people were digging in the bins to find Boof because they learned about him in Local Man. <laughs> <laughs> what, 
What is happening? Seriously, like, <laughs> get that boof resurgence. The boof was my jam. Like, let me explain what it was because it was a, a very specific time in comics. It was Ren and he had two titles. He, yeah, well, and they explained it in the. They did a bleeding cool article when when we first announced we had boof. When we broke that news, uh, and they explained that like the reason that boof had two titles and there's so much of it is because uh, McFarlane had made a deal with walmart and walmart ordered a hundred thousand of each issue sight unseen they're like this guy that makes the toys and spawn he's gonna make us a family all ages kids comic (laughs) store and he did like you know it is basically like a ren and stimpy beavis and butthead type you know it's this sort of like gross out kids humor comic um but yeah they sold a hundred thousand of each of those uh, of all six booths and all six booths in the Bruce Cruise uh, direct to Walmart. And then pl- on top of that, whatever they sold it, you know, in the direct market. Wait, 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 wait. So they made $1.2 million on booth? <laughs> At least, yeah. Well, Man, they, honest, they were raking it in back then. Yeah. yeah. And booth's another one of those, like booth and the Bruce Crew, I'm pretty sure is another one of those ones that is, uh, just comes out of like Todd's you know, childhood sketchbooks, which is like those, there's those. And then if you remember in image comics zero, there's like a bunch of other, you know, characters that were just, you know, like the freak and stuff yeah. like this stuff that Todd was just sort of like coming up with on the fly. Um, all that stuff all, always impressed me. And that's sort of how, when we design some of our characters for local man, Tim will just do like the draw it on the page, you know, just figure it out right now. Cause that's, that's how to capture that spirit is just like, it's either coming from, something we had from when we were 13 the way savage dragon or spawn or it's like this character has water powers bang 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 then this is what they look like yeah. wow that's awesome yeah. that, that really is awesome but yeah if you're a retailer or if you have a retailer order with confidence on this but i think if it's something that you're going to be able to i mean it's shiny I know from that first issue we did that people ate up that shiny cover. And then also it's sort of like a, a real a sampler, not just for us, but for a bunch of books. That says it all. <laughs> That's the stinger right there. And it, it will, not only will it appeal to McFarland fans uh, with Boof, but it will appeal to Spawn fans because you directly reference a Spawn villain in this book. Yeah. And we referenced him before, but we always do that. Like we try and make sure that this fits into the image world. There's like, we give a shout out to a max character. Uh, Like we just want it to sort of feel like this, these people exist inside this world that, that, you know, you've done a great job. Thanks man. So proud of you. Oh, well, I appreciate it. Why can we not be you? you, you're, You're just doing great work. It's true. It it is a joy to have someone on and to to just talk about their books without having to to play the game and and more often than not we don't like we honestly love the people that come on and the books we talk about but there's sometimes where it's just like you know yeah we we got to talk about this thing and that never happens with you because we genuinely love you and the stuff you make so. Well, and if it's, if I'm not doing something that's for you, then we just don't talk about that. We just talk about comics, right? Like, right. I appreciate the work you do on ponies, but that's just not for me. 
yeah, we don't have to talk about the 50 issues of My Little Pony that I did or the, you know, the Star Wars comics I did that are for kids. Like, we'll talk about, you know, when I'm, when I'm coming with something that you guys are into. That's fine. But yeah. I think that's why the people that listen trust you guys because you're not, you know, you're not just bullshitting. No, you're a chameleon, Tony. That's <laughs> well, you know, you've had a lot of different, uh, a lot of different tastes and, and ideas. That's nice. Variety. All right, so we have nothing else to say about these two phenomenal books. Remember, the final so, order cutoff on Local Man is Monday, so make sure you order that. And um, Army of Darkness Forever is October, David, you said 13th? 11th. 11th, so you got plenty of time to order that in droves. Get all the covers. It's not you, in, it, is it in this current previews or next no, previews? No, no. It's out now. It's in this previews? Yeah, it's got the Army of Darkness? A big two-page spread article with me. That oh, that's yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's I, right. I skimmed the dynamite section. That's right. I'm sorry. For those of <laughs> the fold-out ad on the front cover, I didn't pick up previews yet, but I saw, I joined the uh, the Army of Darkness comics uh, Facebook group, and they're just like, Jesus Christ! Look, there's like a two-page spread here on the inside front cover of previews. And I was like, oh, I gotta go get one of those. My mom would be yeah. so impressed. How could I have forgotten that it's in this previews? <laughs> for for those of you who don't know. Um, on our Slack, we have fun, and uh, yeah. I took a photo of Tony's portrait uh, his, <laughs> in, 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 that appears in the previews, and I, I drew a penis next yeah, to his mouth. That's <laughs> <laughs> been drawn next to pictures of me, sir. This is my whole life. I'm just running from these books, and you can only see that on our previews. <laughs> and you, you said, join the patrons. Yes, and, and and you said that um, when I posted, I was I knew you'd get a kick out of it, but you said need more veins. So true, you're an artist; you should know. Yeah, not veiny enough. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to do an engorged one. It, it was Simon. But you did drew a flaccid penis. I did. It was flaccid. A Simon Bisley like a Lobo dick. Lobo's <laughs> <laughs> arm. All right. So moving on, let's talk about Ooh. some other comics. Yeah, what'd you guys read? Uh, got stuff. Got lots of stuff. Got stuff. Well, I don't have something. I didn't put it on my list, but I know David read this. Let me move this over here. Because uh, he specifically put this on, a, on his list. But I read it later and didn't get to amend my list. But um, this is from writer Jim Zub. Hmm. Yes. Uh, they don't put the... by John. Oh no, wait. No, not John. You wouldn't know. You, you would think, right? They don't put the credits on the the, the yeah, title, which well, is really silly. No, uh, well, I got cover A, and it is down at the very bottom. But just oh. last names. But yeah, yeah, and and then you got to get to this first double page spread to see the right. credits in the comic. Written by Jim Zub, uh, illustrated by Roberto de la Torre. With Jose Villarubia as color artist, uh, wouldn't you know it? Richard Starkings did the letters. It's Conan the Barbarian number one from Titan Comics. Titan Comics. Yes. Yeah. See, I'm a loyalist. There, there were many covers from which to to choose. Even my local shop had a cover, an exclusive cover by Mark Schultz. Oh no, shit! That's great. Yeah. Well, he's charging in the shop ten bucks for the cover and if you order online it's like 15 
So, I mean, I love Mark Schultz, but like I said, I'm a loyalist, and I went with cover D, which was Patrick Zercher's takeoff on the original cover to Conan number one. So this is number one, so I I just went with that. I know you got the Panosian cover. That was all that they had. Oh, well, it's still... It's still a nice cover. I mean, it's Dan. Dan oh, for sure. Yeah, Dan yeah. doesn't screw around. But um, I didn't have any reservations about this issue. Once I knew Roberto De La Torre was going to illustrate it, I, I, I thought, okay, well, at least visually we're in good hands because if there was ever anyone uh, with the mojo to fill or to at least put his foot in Basima's shoes... I don't fill them. That's a pretty tall task, right? Uh, but to approximate the majesty of and the power uh, of of Big John, Roberto is the guy to do it. And this issue looks. I mean, it it feels like 1976 again. It's crazy. It's ridiculous, right? I, the 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 visuals are just plain perfect, but that's the starting point. They start the issue off with the old "No, oh Prince," that between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis, and I'm like, motherfucker, that's the way you start a Conan copy. That's that's what you do. You need to do the Nemedian Chronicles. That's the intro that everybody who's ever read a vintage Conan comic has has experienced. This intro, you need it. And there it is, right there on the map. We have a big bloody circle around Venarium because that's where Conan is. Conan's a mercenary, of course, when this starts. And he's kind of sort of pissed off because they've finished a, a, a mission and um turns out that the captain of the mercenaries, who's a coward and a shithead, made a decision that resulted in a couple of mercenaries being killed. And Conan doesn't take too kindly to that. If nothing else, this issue establishes Conan as a man of honor. He may be a barbarian. He may be a mercenary. Like His sword is for hire. But the man is infused almost like a... a, the coat of the samurai. Like He's a very honorable individual. His deeds may be a little on the line of, you know, there, there's there's impropriety and in, in, in illegal and just plain malicious in some instances. But Conan is a man of honor, if nothing else, right? So Conan's pissed because this captain got two mercenaries killed. So Conan takes him to task, beats the shit out of him. Um, and and in 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 the the meanwhile. He uh, he's remembering this 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 horrible horrible battle, um, where uh, it was called actually called the Battle of Venarium, where uh, it was Conan and a bunch of barbarians pushing back the Aquilonian armies, and it was just a savage ordeal. Well, the savagery does not end in the past. In in the present, they're greeted by a Pictish woman, who breathlessly comes into town on horseback saying you guys got to get the hell out of here because there is a an army of pictish a lost tribe of picts 
have gathered and uh they're something's working on them like they're they're not human anymore they're 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 unstoppable they're infused with evil and and they're coming your way and they have basically slaughtered everything in their path so you guys get a got got to get out of here and the picks in in Robert E. Howard's universe were never regarded as um trustworthy or uh, they 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 were basically seen as savages even among the barbar- barbarians like the picks are seen as savages and um so they they don't they don't believe it like yeah all right whatever and conan's like wait like let's 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 hear this woman out turns out she was right because the uh this this lost tribe of picks come in and just start tearing the place and the inhabitants apart and conan does what conan does and at one point um this pictish woman saves conan's ass like he's he's about to be uh uh, ambushed from behind when he's you know he's got his shield and it's all covered with blood he just vanquished an enemy he's not really paying attention uh and and one of the picks or one of these these evil beings got the drop on of him so she she beheads the attacker and so Conan's like yeah all right thanks a lot her name's brissa and so later in the story brissa gets uh ganged up on by a bunch of picks and there's a mound and conan saves her so uh towards the end of the story it, it's brissa and conan and she's like you you gotta know something you, you're a sumerian right and he's yeah she says well they're currently overrunning your homeland so there's that in the last pages you see the these uh pictish hordes they look like deadites a little bit speak just to keep it on evil uh, on on the the topic of evil dead in the army of darkness the uh this evil horde is invading samaria and uh, conan's people are not faring too well based on this last page but wonderful freaking issue like uh, the spirit of the thomas barry windsor smith stuff john basima stuff it is it's alive in this book for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, um, I just picked it up on a whim. I knew you were going to talk about it. I didn't know if we were going to wait for um, for Jason to come back. So I just wanted to be aware. Um, but I was, I was blown. I mean, I've, I've read some Jim Sub stuff. It's fine, but um, I haven't. Aside from the stuff that. Uh, the Ablaze books. I haven't really been reading a whole lot of Conan lately, so um, I just figured, what the hell? And I am very happy I did. What do you think, my man? Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's a uh, it's great looking. Uh, weirdly, uh, I didn't know you were going to talk about this. I'm going to do some covers for this book too. Oh man! Of course you are. What? Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm on to something. No, I'm definitely right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, they gave saying. me this copy at San Diego uh, because the the uh, chief creative officer, whoever runs, the editor that runs, uh, not Titan, but this heroic signatures, which is the people that own all the Robert E. Howard stuff, um, is somebody that I'd worked with before. And, and so we were just talking about it at Comic-Con. So yeah, I'm going to do some, that was one of my Comic-Con meetings and do some Conan covers. 
uh, and totally uh, uh, psyched out about it because of how rad this Roberto Della Torre artwork is. Like, he's incredible on the inside That's of this. Insane. Super good. I, I wish the shop had cover B available. I really like his his cover. Although I really really like Colleen Doran's, but I'd I'd have gotten cover B if I had the chance. Yeah, they did. So, I mean, that's why I'm doing some of these covers because they're doing so. They're doing like between four and eleven per issue. They said, which I guess is just the the way the market works right now. Yeah. They didn't have the wraparound cover for you, Vince. The map one. The map. Well. Dave put this one in my hand, and I okay. knew that what with it being an homage to the first issue, I, I was like, "This is the one I have to go with." It's it's Conan the Bar- Barbarian number one, a Zercher throwback to the first issue cover by Bear. I, I I needed it. I had to have it. So yeah, I, I knew it was in good hands. When um, I don't think there's a bigger Conan fan than uh, Dave proprietor of comics really yeah Mm. he's he's about three years younger than me so we came up pretty much reading the same stuff and he's a conan completist he will buy anything with conan to the point where we both bitched about the the belite um series that came out of uh oh from Dynamite. oh just garbage just and we were just like oh how could this even be, be put? so yeah he he loves conan and he just gave it to me and looked at me and he was just like mm-hmm. this is it <laughs> this is it right yeah. so i knew from the get like without even reading page one i knew that it was going to be good because if dave gives me the thumbs up on, on a conan book i know it's you know we're in good hands but one of the things that uh, in in geez uh 40 plus years of buying and reading comics i've come to expect or or i guess you could say demand there should always be a conan title on this on the stands whether it's from marvel or or wherever it does you know it doesn't have to be marvel or the dark horse books were great but there should never be a month that goes by that there's not a conan comic well, you, you could say the same thing about Superman, right? And and and, and Spider Man. There are constants it, from personal perspective, right? If you didn't come up in the seventies, you wouldn't feel that way. But Conan was omnipresent in the seventies, like you yeah. <laughs> everywhere, right? So I've come to just expect it, it's it's a it's a feeling of comfort to know that there's a Conan monthly again. Marvel did it. Now it's somebody else's turn. We're just spoiled because the Marvel version was phenomenal as well. So I guess it's a it's a resurgence of great Conan comics. There for a while, mm, like towards the tail end of the Marvel run, where you know the image style was was uh, the go to. Those Conan comics are not good, but uh, Dark Horse picked up the baton and did really great things with the character. And now it's just it's 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 Mahmoud, I think, compounded on the on the uh, the Dark Horse stuff, and now Roberto's just cut from the same cloth as Big John. So there's no there's no drawback to this issue. It's just phenomenal. I'm glad. Talking to these guys because uh, the because like I said the the people who are who are publishing it now they're publishing with Titan, but it's it's like. 
Titan's only slightly a licensor on this. It's mostly just like the co- the company that owns Conan's making Conan now. Um, oh, so it's and, the Robert E. Howard estate. Well, it's the heroic signature signatures. It's who owns the owns they own all the Robert E. Howard stuff. Hmm. So I don't know if it's the estate or what what their deal is exactly, but it's just, it's the same people that had licensed it out to Marvel and to Dynamite, and, and they just basically decided like, well, we'll just do this ourselves now. So um, I'm guessing Red Sonia is that's Roy, Marvel. Or, that's Roy yeah. Thomas's, right? Yeah, that that's not in the that's not in the deal. Even though Roy Red Sonia is a Robert E. Howard creation, she's nothing like right. what Roy Thomas did. So. Yeah, that that's cool. So then the Red Sonia, I'm guessing, is 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 firmly lodged within Dynamite for the foreseeable future. Yeah, so I think she lives over there. Great, great. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, we that that fucking uh, Moritat one ruled. Oh was yeah, it was phenomenal. That's the best Sonia has gotten. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I I don't want to. I mean, there's been a lot of talented people. That yeah. have have touched Red Sonia over at Dynamite, so I don't want to disparage anyone, but visually, I think the Moritat was the absolute pinnacle of what Dynamite produced for Red Sonia. I hope they, they have they ever solicited. Did they do a hardcover of that? I want to get the like, collected whole version of that thing. Is it finished? Did he finish it? Yeah, it was only twelve issues. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. done. Super good. Yeah, yeah. we we're spoiled. This well, is too. They told me some some of their plans too. And if you're like, it sounds like they're just sort of like cherry picking all their favorite stuff from all the Conans, like as far as like artists and writers, and um, they're they're gonna. If, if you love good Conan, it sounds like they're they're planning to make a bunch of it. I'm sure the single title is not going to remain an only child for long. I, I would. I can tell you for sure that you are correct. I knew it. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, I expect it at this point. When something clicks, uh, one is never enough, and and it's a good thing. Like if, you know, if so, so maybe we're getting more than one Transformers and GI Joe book. We're getting more than one Turtles book. It, it, big picture. So yeah, it just stands to reason that if if people are buying it, they're going to make more of it. But I th- I think uh, it's you know it's not like um, I don't think they're going to dilute it necessarily like no all the stuff that that they told me is coming it's stuff you're going to be psyched about yeah that belit and valeria book oof that was like the end for me (laughs) that was a blaze though wasn't i thought it was dynamite no it was a blaze yeah it's just bad 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 um i had an idea and the next time i see him i'm gonna tell him i don't know what kind of clout uh dan parent has at archie i'm guessing a good amount because Dan is like the face of, of Archie, at least from my perspective. And last time I saw him at the shop, I, you know, we were talking, blah, blah, blah. And I walked away and I was like, I got a really good idea for this man. Homage stuff is like popular these days. Mm-hmm. What if Dan Parent did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles story? Because you got the old Archie Turtles book. And the current face of Archie, like smack them together. Like I think that's a really cool concept. No. Hmm. That makes like, sense. I feel like that's part of a concept. 
Okay, you got to get the rest of the way there. You need another hook. Yeah, just put, putting him on turtles is is one thing, but what then? What's the deal? Well, you, I mean, you know, Archie had a, a a fun turtles run. Yes, that is beloved by a lot of people. Yeah. So to pick up the reins of that at the publisher that published it, Archie, with their current. Jose, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, because Parent yeah. pretty much establishes the style of Archie, right? Yeah, the, the Dan DiCarlo of the uh, yes, the that's fair. That's very fair. But I, but the Turtles Archie book wasn't drawn in like an Archie style. No, but that's the hook, right? Yeah. So it needs more. It needs more work. I feel like it is like you're close to something. Did, have they done, has IDW done one of those Saturday morning? They do, yeah. Yes. So they do a Saturday yeah. morning tour, but it's in the card. It's in the animation style, so that's yeah, cool. But this would have to be published from Archie, an Archie IDW joint published at Archie. <laughs> that's to be on their flimsiest newsprint. Yeah, n- right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and they'll charge you four bucks for it, but. Sure. Just a, a throwback in in a lot of senses. I I think you're right. I think I'm missing. I I have the the vegetable and the potato, but I don't have the meat yet. Yeah, it's almost there. Right. I'm interested. You have my attention. Or what? I'll think. I'll think more on it. <laughs> Who is that? <laughs> Dude, it's you. Are you leaning on something? Someone calling you. Did you all go away? No, I'm about two feet from my computer, so it's not me. And it's not David. What the fuck is happening? Are you <laughs> mentally controlling? Patrons? It's, pa- it's the patrons. <laughs> patrons in here. So, yes. Uh, uh, if you're a Conan fan, you're going to love this book. If you're new to Conan, this will give you a glimpse into why the character is so beloved with us old-timers. Sure. And they go... Out of their way to let you know that Conan has big old baby blue eyes. That that's the thing that gets the women. If he's not squinting in in a medium or 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 uh, long shot, if he's up close, you see those big baby blues, and that's the yeah. thing that gets the wenches, man. Um, and I was very surprised you had a little panel of nudity. Yep, that was odd. Um, uh... I'm, I'm hoping maybe the next issue we might see some of uh, some more Prissa. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, because when you first see her, she's got the hood on, and all you can see right. is the blue stripe across her eyes. I'm like, what is yeah. this? An elf? Like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. But no, she's a pit. So she's dark skinned. Yeah, yeah. I want my seeing uh, seeing more of her without the cloak and everything else. There you go. I'm sure it'll happen. That was the thing. Uh, reading Savage Sword, which I knew was different, but I didn't know that it wasn't subject to the Comics Code Authority. Mm-hmm. But it just felt different because they they would do things that weren't explicit, but there would occasionally be far more extensive glimpses of female anatomy in in Savage Sword. So I was it felt adult to me, right? And it was in a, in a lot of senses, and and but they never actually went full-on Warren explicit, like with the nudity. Um, this, it, it doesn't go there. But, I mean, there is nudity in it, which is like, wow. So it's almost like the brass ring after after all that time hoping for a nipple or two. And, there, I mean, there was nipples in Savage Sword. They just weren't 
very frequent, but there's nipples in this book. So cool. I feel like if you if you like uh, your uh, Hyborian age nipples, then you're gonna get some. Who doesn't love nipples? It's not a boob without the nipple. It's true. Nipple. Yeah, nipple. Conan from Heroic Signatures and Titan Comics. Yeah. See, I was so excited. I just blew past that first page. I was like, oh, yeah, Conan. Like, So there's credits, and I was like, fuck that. I just got to yep. get to the, yeah, give me the map. And there it is. There's a map. Venarium's really close, close to Samaria, which is in the backyard of Asgard, which right. I, I always knew that, but it was just like, what? I don't think, you got to go over the mountains to get to Asgard, which is perfect because Asgard should be sheltered like that because they're Asgardians, but they're not gods. Yep. Yeah. Really good. Read it. Excellent. Conan the Barbarian number one from Ablaze. No, Titan. Used to Titan. Titan. Titan Comics and Heroic Signatures. Yeah. Good stuff. There's a lot of barbarian yeah. books. Mighty Barbarians, Conan the Barbarians. Well, that's done. Last, oh, no, Barbarian. No, no, last Barbarian. Yeah, Last Barbarian yeah. just finished. I hope we get another one of those. Who knows? Is it just five or six issues? I think I got the last issue to read still. Yeah, last issue came out. I don't know if it was five or six. I'm thinking it's five, but that was a lot of fun. There you go. What what have you guys read? What have you read? My friends. Uh, I haven't been to the shop this week, but I went last week and I picked up uh, Deadpool Batter Blood number two. <laughs> what? Uh is the is the Rob Liefeld Deadpool book that's coming oh, out? Oh right, right, yeah, right. It's a sequel to Bad Blood, which was he put out as just a straight hardcover, and then Marvel re-released it as issues. Um, and so it's it's Rob, and then Chad Bowers is doing the scripting, but it's just classic Rob where he's he's sort of writing the story, and then him and Chad Bowers get together and figure out what the people say. I think is uh, I think is how it goes down. Uh, but this is. Literally just like the follow-up story to that first story where that was about sort of like uh, almost like a hush for Deadpool where there's a character from Deadpool's past uh, that that ends up uh, being like horribly disfigured and, and sort of like chasing Deadpool. Like, a, you know, they were trying to make another Deadpool and they made this kid into this monster. Um, and now it's sort of like haunts Deadpool and he has to sort of like try and make up for this, this past, this big monster character called Thumper. It has a has another name, but he uh, like he has a name as a kid, but he's uh, he's called Thumper when he's this big monster. And so Deadpool's fighting this guy around, or like chasing this guy around, and he ends up getting into uh, all kinds of fights with other people that are chasing him. And, they, and in this issue, they introduce this girl Shatterstar uh, called Shatterstorm. <laughs> who comes from the Mojo world and like looks up to Shatterstar the way that Shatterstar looked up to Longshot, um, and uh, and so like there's all kinds of cool fighting with her and Deadpool, and then Deadpool starts to like fritz out like you can tell that some, somehow the Mojo verse or so, something is messing with him. W when you're reading it, you think it's the Mojo verse because it's just like oh he's fighting a Mojo verse character. There's somebody's mojoing around with this shit. Like on one page you'll have guns. And the next page will have swords, and he'll just be like, what happened? What happened to my guns? Part of me thinks it was just Rob was just drawing too fast and wasn't even paying attention. But uh, 
they wrote it into the story so that he's so that he's like glitching out, uh, which I think is cool. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, what you're here for is just page after page of Rob Liefeld doing big splashy Deadpool drawings, and the colors on it. Probably for like the last ten years or so. I mean, Rob Liefeld's always had amazing colorists, like ever since Image, ever since Kiko Taganashi. Um, but then for a while, uh, he had Romulo Fajardo, you know, probably like five years ago. And lately, he's had uh, uh, J- J.D. Ramos. Um, and this guy rules. Like, he just sort of puts his whole painterly style over Rob's stuff. Um, and it's super fun. And then at the end of it, spoilers, it starts with, like, the first issue ended with Girl Shatterstar. And this issue ends with Girl Arcade. And that's who's been messing with him the whole time. And so there's like this lady arcade named Arcata, which me and my friends think probably should have been Arcadia. Like that's a cooler lady arcade yeah. name. Uh, but it's definitely, it feels like, you know, we were talking about Babe Watch earlier, but I think Rob is just like, how's the originator of this bullshit? How come, how come I don't have a spider Gwen? So he's just taking as many shots, you know, he's just like, all right, well, let's see what arcade looks like. If she's a girl, maybe that's a hit. Um, but the Shatterstorm character is fucking cool looking, um, girl Shatterstar. So, uh, recommended. Not there. There's not a whole lot to it. It's just fucking kick-ass Deadpool adventures, uh, and and A plus Rob Liefeld artwork. If that's your thing, which it is mine. Wow, so you got some conceptual continuity going on. Which my hope- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the dream. I- me and Tim, like we saw, or I saw Liefeld a few times at Comic Con, um, and and uh, I met him at a signing. Like I've met him many times, but I'm always, you know, like I don't go like it's me. I make comics. I'm just like, oh, big fan, you know. And I met him at a local man signing that I was doing at his local shop, and he was just there buying his books on a Saturday, and so I was able to give him local man, and I'm I'm sort of like slowly without trying to be a nudge or anything. Like we, I just want a Rob Liefeld cover on this thing. It would be the dream would be to get like as many image founders doing covers uh, as possible. But Rob obviously uh, is sort of my entry way to image comics, so that would be the the brass ring. That would be great. I think of all the founders, Eric's probably the one that would do it the fastest. Not true. Really? Yeah. Why? Do do tell. Uh, well, it's because Tim and him are tight. Like, like I said earlier, like we have, uh, there's like each of us are friends with different people, and Tim's Tim's tight with Eric Larson, um, and he's hit him up a few times for things, and he's he's going through his own stuff right now. He's whatever he's up to. You know, Dragon's coming out sort of slowly. Yeah, very. And I think he's just sort of like you know trying to get that figured out and get that going, and so he's not in a place where he's doing a bunch of other covers. But we have two Image Founder covers coming. Uh, and they're they're in the works. Like one one's inked and one is at the pencil. So they're coming, but none of them are Liefeld yet. That's my, my dream would be for the last issue to have just like the coolest Rob Liefeld cover. So we'll see if I can get that. I out. can try and guess, but you probably wouldn't tell me if I was right. You can guess. Silvestri. No. I mean, at this point, though, the odds get easier and easier every time. <laughs> Seriously. So I won't guess. Uh, Valentino. Yeah. 
Wow. Nice. <laughs> I won't yeah. say I won't say Jim Lee because that's silly. Well, it's been incredible to get Jim Lee. Yeah. yeah. Um, Todd, really? No Todd. No Liefeld, no Todd. Uh, Portasio? It's Portasio, that's right. Nice. Yeah. So, and that thing looks super badass. I'm so excited about that thing. So I'll, I'll send you guys that when, it, when, when it's done. Doesn't get enough credit, I think. Wills. Oh, yeah. Incredible artist. Uh, was looking through a bunch of his stuff uh, when we were working on this cover. And, he, like, his stuff is always incredible. I mean, he... He had that all that shit happened to him right at that time when everybody else was able to just sort of buckle down and knock out all the stuff and sort of like uh, bask in the success of image. He had like a death in the family and he had then he had an injury. It's just sort of like the worst possible timing. But he still, you know, he still hustles. He still does great. You know? Yeah. Uh, I call him. That, like if you're a Wu-Tang fan, uh, he's sort of like the Capadonna of, of Image Comics. It's, there's this guy in Wu-Tang that was locked up when the first Image, or when the first Wu-Tang album came out, but he's like, for all intents and purposes, like a founding member, and then he shows up, you know, later when the second album comes out, and everybody's like, oh, they got this new guy. And it's just like, no, he was always there. He just, you know, had a chick run out. He had to go away. I'm glad you explained that. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wouldn't. Don't work with me on the conceptual continuity of Wu Tang Image Comics. Yeah, nice, nice. The from what I remember, Wetworks was ridiculous. Oh, it's that. What's cool about it? They did a kayfabe about it recently, within the past year. Because what's cool about it is when they were first going to put it out, like he drew that first teaser image in the back of like wildcats two or three um or it was like a, a not just an image like a preview pages and in the time between him that happening and then all the horrible shit happening to him and actually coming back and putting out wetworks computer coloring had taken off and like there was never a book that was more tailor made to be colored you know by wildstorm effects computer coloring Right, because it's like that liquid gold and all those blasts and like that that one character that was like a glowing blue looked like a Jedi ghost, you know, or like a like an action figure of a Jedi ghost, or, right? You know, like that see through plastic blue, like all those effects were were completely perfect for what works, and they wouldn't have been there if it had come out when you know when Wildcats was coming out or when right. the first forces were coming out. Even on the merchandising side. Um, yeah, I, I, I love Todd's figures. The Spawn yeah. figures were great. But that Wetworks Vampire? So shut, cool. shut up. Like, that was, when that came out, I was like, oh my God. And then they did the Wetworks Werewolf. Yeah. Ridiculous figures. Just amazing. Those are like a, like a sneak preview of what they would end up doing with those toys, too. Because those were sort of like the first ones that had like those little tiny features and, you know. Yeah, well, the, the Vampire had real hair. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, somebody gave me at a show I was at recently. They traded me a a Milo Pony head sketch for that gigantic Cygor figure. Wow, really? The the one that just came out? Yeah. Oh, that thing's nice. Yeah, that's a real hunk of plastic, and and you know I love a ape and a and a Cygor. So you did a head sketch for thirty bucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) 
but that side door is really nice. I think it's less than thirty. But anyway, I think I think you made out on the deal because it's really pretty. So whatever the cost they made out on. The I wish I had a buck for every version of Sigor that has come out out of McFarlane. This might not be the most recent. This one was huge. I think it was it was like a sixty dollars toy, and it was on sale. Well, there's a Sigor that came out. Todd put out. Uh, uh, I don't even know what the name of the, the line of the figures are. Yeah, but gonna... there's like a snake and a dinosaur, and I think Cy- I can see you. Look at Wait, you. See behind me? No, I can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's nice. That's not the one I'm thinking of. No, but that's nice. Super huge. Yeah. Real nice. Sponsor. Kiss it yeah. for me. You have a sponsor on. Yeah, I got that at Comic-Con, too. Hey, you lose, <sighs> looks like you're losing weight. No, that's not going on. What? It I mean, looks looks like it. But thank you. I appreciate it. You always say the nicest things. Look Go how on. cute you are. <laughs> oh, and now you went away. Okay. Making me blush. So there you go. I was surprised that... Um, not surprised. I didn't remember that what works went on for so long, because I was going through the quarter bin at the shop, and he's got... He's got like issues like 19, 21. I was like, when the hell did this go on for so long? Dude, grab them. Yeah, I feel like it was I will. up in the 30s. Any wet works, grab them. Because I have like, I think, one to five, and that's it. But Wills isn't on the, the later issues. It doesn't yeah. matter. I mean, no, if I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely grab them. Yeah, if I, I have one to five, I got. I have to have them all. So Okay. That's just how it works. You got it. Yeah. Not a problem. Noise. You're lucky no, you got quarter bins. Lowest we go locally is a buck. Yeah, I see yours. Yeah, I mean it's still worth it, but quarter bins would be and nice. It, it's it's mostly it's mostly image stuff. He's got he's got the Wetworks. He's got uh, the the JMS imprint, Rising Stars, Midnight Nation. He's got uh, a lot of um. There was there was some Stormwatch in there. Wow, how are you not? Yeah, grab, it's, aside for the JMS stuff, how are you not grabbing right. all these? Grab them. Well, some of them are curled reader copies. Oh, but still a no. quarter. Yeah, but yeah, that's a sad. No, I would be sad. Okay. I would be sad. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll pull out you? the good ones for you. Yeah, nice. 43 issues of Wetworks. That's crazy. How many? 43. 43? Yeah. 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 Well, Su- Supreme went to more than 50. Yeah, but well, we yeah. Those. But Supreme also had Alan Moore. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I mean, if you just look at all the inter, 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 iterations of Stormwatch, all, all of the splinter things that came out of that, like there's a lot of product that came out of Image. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. What else do we have? Comics. Woohoo! So I, uh, on a whim, I decided to try this uh, this book from um, from Dark Horse called blue book so the first five issues anyway it's uh it actually it's it's written by um james tinian the fourth but it uh i think it started as a uh as a substack story for him it was one of the first things he did when uh when he made the deal but um it's it's not quite an anthology like the first half of the book is is this is this main story and then there's this like true weird um, serial in in the back half. And the first issue, actually, the first true weird story is uh, 
written and uh, drawn by uh, a youngster by the name of uh, Klaus Jensen. And uh, it's a um, it's a story set in uh, Brooklyn in 1889 at Coney Island. But the main story, the reason why I was checking it out, um, is about uh, it's about Betty and Barney Hill, who um, who were driving home from a vacation um, in the uh, in the early 60s. Um, they were uh, it was a Tuesday night, and uh, and Betty and Barney begin the long drive home to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, from their uh, their holiday in Montreal. And uh, it's Michael Avon Homing is is the artist, and it really it's it's primarily um, well, at least the first first few pages are uh, like uh, four panels, four widescreen panels to a page, but it's very cinematic um but as they're driving um their thoughts are wandering um you know they kind of just want to get home because it's it's tribal just get them home they can get back to to their lives the vacations behind them and and uh life goes on but uh there seems to be something following them on the drive and uh and betty is um she's like the the that moon seems seems awfully big and and it's getting bigger and and barney figures it's uh it must be some kind of satellite so um so betty asks if uh, they can pull over and he does and um and delcy is their little uh dashing um delcy goes running out of the car um but she uh they keep an eye on her she's fine but uh but betty gets out the uh, binoculars and she's looking to the sky and not much really going on uh barney's thinking you know it's definitely satellite because it looks like it's moving on um betty's not sure but you know barney's like we, we we still got some miles to go so 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 let's get moving and she's she's in the front seat and passenger seat looking up through the uh through the window with her binoculars and she's just like yeah i can't it it's i really don't think it's 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 satellite and barney's just coming up with with other things it's like well maybe it's just a plane on on its way to canada and and they're, they're kind of debating what it might be and and um barney's trying to keep it keep more kind of uh, in his reality but uh but betty's like nah i, I don't there, there's just something there's just something going on they stop the car again just all the binoculars just that's your face she keeps looking to the sky um he keeps saying things like you know it's hunting season maybe the hunters are maybe, maybe you know um it's a piper cub um and, and she's like, it's not hunting season. It's not any sort of plane. We don't hear a plane. And, and now he's like thinking, well, maybe it's a helicopter. And, and she's just like, no, just just stop. And all of a sudden, this this pill-shaped thing kind of gets in front of the moon. And she hands the binoculars to Barney. He looks up. And now it looks like it's circling them high in the sky. Um, so 
he tells her to get in the car. Um, we're losing so much time with this nonsense. And he goes to the trunk. She asks him, what, 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 what's he doing back there? He's like, nothing. You don't have to worry about it. But he's got a, uh, he's got a small caliber revolver next to the uh, spare tire. So he's just he's keeping it with him just, just to be safe. Um, they're still driving along. Still talking about whether or not what this thing might be in the sky. Um, now she's really getting at him, and she's like, "No, you got to stop. You got to stop the car. You've never seen anything like this in your life. We're not going to get a second chance to see something like this. We have to know what the hell it is." So he stops the car, and he asks her for the binoculars, and he looks up, and and it's it's basically it's a flying saucer. It's looking right at him. He gets back in the car. No, he, not, so he's just he's looking up at it. It's kind of like angling towards him. His eyes are wide. Betty's car. Betty's in the car. Her eyes are wide. Delcy's in the car. Poor girl's whimpering. And we get a close-up on on Barney and his eyes. And then we cut back to the saucer. And there are these uh, there's these blue glowing silhouettes in uh, in what would be the windows of of the ship. And he's just like he he can't he can't believe what he's seeing. And we do actually see the aliens' faces. And and he's just he's he's frozen. Barney's frozen at this point. Betty's screaming to him not to get too close. What's wrong with you? Why don't you? Why aren't you paying attention to me? And he runs back to the car, screaming they're going to capture us. And, that, and that's the end of the first issue. And and so basically the, the, the there's no real like to be continued uh, at the end of each chapter, but each, each issue does pretty much pick up immediately where the previous uh, chapter ended. And, and so there, there gets back in the car and he's just heading home. And now it's like, it seems like it's, the, the, the saucer's blocking out the stars. They can't see anything except this bright light over the car. And then things get a little warpy and weird. Um, we have no idea what happens to them. But they're driving back home still. And she turns to them. She's like, well, now do you believe in flying saucers? He's like, don't be ridiculous. And and they they get home. They arrive. Wednesday at five o'clock in the morning. They don't recall driving the 35 miles uh, between Indian Head and Ashland uh, or why that stretch took them two hours longer than they figured the trip would take. Um, they just, they're, they're, they're just, they're calmed. Uh, the, the, on the page it says they're, they were both calmed by the knowledge with the, that, that the strange encounter was over. They believe they could return to their ordinary lives. They were wrong, and and so the the remaining chapters basically um, talk about how or or show um, how they've contemplated whether or not of of going public, of telling other people what 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 they what they witnessed, what they experienced. Um, not that they could remember everything. That they experience, but they do know something happened to them, and uh, they they uh, they get in touch with some groups. They get in touch with the uh, with the military. They they see a hypnotist to, to, to see if that can uh, 
jog their memories, and it does. Uh, it's just it it was it, it was close to fascinating. I I couldn't it, it it's very it's a monochromatic story. It's it's uh, it's it's like it's not great tones. It's like blue wash. Um, it's it's a black and white story with a lot of blue in the background and and for uh, for 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 emphasis at times, but. Um, I really felt bad for him, and and it's uh, oh, I felt bad because they tried to explain what what they went through. Um, that of course, you know, it's the early mid '60s, and that everybody's really ready to hear this, and and it's uh, or at least some of the feedback that they were getting. Um, but they're, they're they're talking to a uh, to former U.S. Marine Corps. Uh, uh, major and and it it was Betty's obviously a believer. She's uh, she she's definitely um, willing to uh, to get more information to to get answers to even even if that means you know them coming back and and uh, her offering herself up to 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 get those answers. Um, but yeah, the 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 hypnosis, the, the hypnosis brings some things to light. Their uh, their stories differed a little bit because Barney's time on the ship with the aliens was slightly different than uh, than Betty. So it, it's the, obviously their stories weren't rehearsed because they were separated in the saucer at at at, at times, so they, they they wouldn't know what what the other was dealing with. But it was just it it, it was no, it was I was quite pleasantly surprised just because I didn't know what to expect. I, 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 I saw it was, it was Tinny writing it. I saw it was Omen drawing it. Figured I'd give it a shot. I had no idea about the, uh, the stories in the back and, and, and some of them, you know, out of the five couple are better than others, but, uh, it was mostly the, the, the main story that, uh, that I was here to check out. But, um, it, it, uh, yeah, I guess on Substack it, it, he was he was posting it a couple years ago, but I think this first issue came out um, earlier this year, like back in February. Um, but I was just I it was just one of those things I tried on a whim, and and I I was seriously um, I was just sucked right in. It, it it very much reminded me to a degree to um, Sound Invasion, of course, but. Uh, it, it's there's there's things here that were um based uh in in real life and and stories others heard or told um but all in all it was a uh it doesn't exactly have a happy ending but uh it was still a uh it's still a hell of a ride it, it, was, it was quite an entertainment it, it's it's a good read but um I think what also made it unsettling at times was uh, was Oming's art, um, but unsettling in in a good way, in a way that that absolutely fit the story. But I would definitely, um, I don't know if it's going to be collected. I don't know if we're getting more actually. Um, if this shoe was the last one I saw, but um, yeah, I, I would uh, I would recommend it if you can check it out. You'll probably like the movie then. James Earl Jones is Barney. No shit. And Estelle Parsons is uh, Betty. 
Yeah, it was a TV movie. Made like 74, 75. Yeah. Movie's good. You and, you and Jason talked about this when it was first coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you, you heard this story many times as, yeah. a, as a UFO kook. It, it's in every ground level UFO book ever published because it's it's a noteworthy case because the documentation is so robust and they were an interracial couple in a time yeah. when that was not looked mm-hmm. upon favorably so i mean there's a lot of noteworthy things and they got blasted by the by the media well the media wasn't the media machine it is now but back then right. all they saw was a black man with a white woman and they were discredited solely on the basis of who they were and like their relationship. So it's like I don't know. It, but it is. I mean, if if you took a class on ufology one hundred and one, the Betty and Barney Hill story would be first day, first semester. And it's that immediately soured me on the book. But I mean, I don't. You know, David enjoyed it. That's so. I don't want to say anything about the book. It, it is what it is, and I'm glad you um, enjoyed it. About about the comic or about the yeah book about the comic. I, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you enjoyed it. But now there are further avenues for, for you to explore because you can look up the 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 movie, which is very good. Um, okay. For for as good as James Earl Jones is, Estelle Parsons steals the show as Betty. She is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, I shouldn't have called it a TV movie. It was, but it doesn't. You would never if you see it now. You would never think it was a TV movie. The the level of performances in the in the in the thing are just amazing. Yeah, it's really good. You'll okay. like it. I mean, it's James Earl Jones. What's not to yeah. like, right? Yeah. No, it's 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 wonderful. And there's a there's a scene where they're doing the. Uh, uh, the uh, the regression and he just starts bawling like a baby like it is just, it's amazing the performances out of these two yeah it's great yep okay there you go thank you nice uh, I got another one wow well why don't you save it for your, your travels because we're at two and a half hours we wrapping it up okay good yeah Hey, everybody, thank you very much for listening to this old thing. We hope you come back next time. Remember, this thing has been sponsored by CheapGraphicNovels.com. You could probably get collected editions of, if not now, then when they're published, of everything that we talked about on this show at a fraction of the price you'd pay elsewhere. CheapGraphicNovels.com. As Tony reminded me, remember, once you place your first order or another order because they don't know well yeah, they do know if they checked it but whatever um tell them respond to that email and say 11 o'clock comics sent me and max will be like his little magic wand ding right in the forehead and you will be the recipient of an email that says your next order shipping guess what it's on us bro and you'd be like this is the best thing on the planet because you'd be right cheapgraphicnovels.com just go there Tony will vouch for him, right, Tony? The best. Max was at Comic-Con with me. Uh, That guy rules. One of my favorite people. Did you dine Um, together? We did not dine. I actually only saw him uh, briefly, Uh, but but he was down there. I think he just went down for one day. He he used to 
he was telling me he used to love like going and like the thrill of the hunt and finding like hardcovers that were out of print because that's one of the things that the people in the know know about cheapgraphicnovels.com is that if you're looking for something that's out of print, oftentimes they'll have it too. And they'll they won't charge you like the the forty percent off that you usually get. Like you'll pay a little more for them. Sure. They're they're usually a place that can find stuff that's that's the out of print or they were. And now that cheap graphic novel business is rolling up and running so fast, Max is telling me he doesn't have the same love of the hunt that he once had for for getting out there at Comic Con and, and finding, you know, some foolish de- dealer that's getting rid of some Marvel book that's been out of print for five years or something. Right. He's a smart man, that that Max. He is. He he keeps it all in his head, man. He knows all of that stuff. I'll just text him and be like, "Hey, I'm trying to get this She-Hulk, whatever." And he'll be like, "Oh, it's been out of print since you know, 2017." Somehow he just knows. <laughs> it's true because when I said, "Hey, I'm thinking of picking up the the Stegman, Kate's, Venom, Carnage stuff," you know, yeah. King and Black, and he's like, "Oh, we got plenty of stock on that." He goes, "I'll let you know when when we're running low if you want to just put it on the back burner." He's like, "All right, yeah, that's cool because I don't need it right now. I want it, but there are other things that I would like to pick up before that." But yeah, it's yeah. still on my radar, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll tell you when 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 it's getting close to the the time you should order." I'm like, "Okay," because I wanted to order the ROM thing. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the you know preference, um, priority is what I should say. In your travels, my people, I want you to go out and buy Tombs, T O M B S, by Junji Ito. It is another. In a long series of anthologies, um, I can't even hazard to guess how many hours a day Junji Ito spends behind the drawing board, or if all of this stuff coming out from Viz is just backlog, that stuff that's been printed in Japan, uh, you know, years ago, and now we're just catching up to them. But it seems like there's a lot of Junji Ito books, and they're all like 300, 400 pages. Like the, the the volume of work this man has produced is ridiculous. That's just number one. Number two, the quality of the work is disturbingly consistent. He almost never stumbles, and and this anthology, uh, he loves that format. This anthology is more of the same level of quality we've received from Ito in in all of the many past volumes. Like I said, anthology, so I'm not going to get into every story. The main story, the the story after which the volume is named, Tombs, is ridiculous. It It is one of the more disturbing Ito stories, without being explicit, because it focuses on death, something with which we can all understand, right? In a nutshell, it's about a brother and sister who go out to the country to visit a friend of the sister. And while they're driving out, they hit a young girl with their car. They hit her with their car that was in the road. And the girl's in really bad shape. So, so they put the girl in the back seat and they, they plan to take her to the emergency. She's dying. Problem is, she dies. So they load the girl in the back, in the trunk of the car. 
and then they go to this the friend the sister's friend's house and they make like nothing happened but when they get to the this town uh at which her friend lives there's all of these monuments pylons really in the middle of the road and so they're obstructing you you can't drive down the road and the brother's like what the hell is this like this is odd this is really strange so turns out i mean the 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 friend describes the whole cosmology of this little town when members of this town die their corpses decay into these monuments these monuments grow out of their corpses to the point where emergency rooms and hospitals when a, when a patient is near death they got to drag them out into the the parking lot or the or the road because if they die within the hospital or the emergency room a monument will form and you can't touch a dead body. So they have to get the bodies out of these places before they die. And if, if you look at, if you look in little houses or little, little, little apartment houses where people have died and they didn't get the bodies out, there are these stone monuments within like the middle of a living room. There'll be a stone, like someone died there. It's the strangest thing. Turns out, I won't reveal the end of the story, but I rev will reveal the twist because that's not the end. While they're at the the friend's house, their her younger sister has gone missing. They don't know where she is. She was out playing. She didn't come home. Next day, they send search party out of you know of which the brother and sister contribute. They're looking for the girl, and then the brothers are like, "Hey, wait a minute." Maybe that was who we hit. Maybe that's your friend's sister. And when when they hit her, her face was all swollen. So they couldn't... If they did know her, they would never have recognized her because her face was all puffy and swollen and bloody and stuff. And the sister's like, wait a minute, I don't know. And so because they couldn't take the body out of the car, the car starts getting heavier. <laughs> it is devious it's ridiculous the ending is so fucked up like i don't i don't want to give you guys any clues as to what happens in the ending it is just like this is a, a one of those stories that can only come out of creative rumination like ito was probably thinking what if hmm what if somebody died and their corpse made a, like a pseudo gravestone because in J japan gravestones are, are more vertical than horizontal like in the states ours are just horizontal ish and you know rounded top these are more uh pylon ish you know with a little tiny base and you see some corpses that have recently died and you could see the thing emerging from the body it is disturbing on many levels because we all have to face you know we we got to face this thing at some point in our existences that that's going to come calling so you can you can approximate what these characters are feeling not not only that but the guilt knowing that you killed the girl that everybody's looking for what do you do with the body well 
read this story and you'll find out what they do with the body. <laughs> it is really messed up, like ridiculous. And like many Junji Ito stories, there's no ray of sunshine at the end of this thing. Everything has a bleak downturn. It's just, uh, wow. I don't even think there's a sun in the Junji Ito universe. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 and it only, I mean, it, it, and it goes places for there. It's an anthology. There, there's many, many stories. There's a girl with a, a slug for a tongue. <laughs> and he can take a, a really strange idea and build a whole story around it to the point where you're just like, wow, this this mother's brilliant. Like it is the the, the places the, the story goes like I can't. Ito's one of the guys that I just cannot predict because he's so outlandish, so off the wall and just on a completely different level than most other um, creators, both, you know, domestic and foreign. Like, I, I just think Ito is just a really, really special creator. And this book is just more evidence to that claim. It's called Tombs. It's from uh, Viz, of course. Hardcover, just like all the other ones. 25 bucks, lots of pages, well worth your time. Uh, if, if, you know... If, you uh enjoy sleeping or or fitful sleep this is going to disturb that <laughs> because it is wow it's it's dark really dark tombs love it and i'm not even current on the ito i got two of these within the the, the space of a week so i have another one to talk about i think it's uh soichi is is the latest and then if you look in this previews ito has not one but two books solicited so like is this all he does is is make comics right even if you have an assistant i think it's got to be a backlog situation i think it is but still he had to have produced this work at some point in his life did he spend his entire formative years in into into early adulthood making comics like this is a lot of pages well, yes, he definitely spent his formative years making comics. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. All of it great, too. Yeah, it's pretty great. You like like Ito? I do like uh, Ito. I'm, I've read, I feel like I've only scratched the surface. Uh, I've, I've probably only read like three or four of them. But I have I have a big stack of unread ones as well. Oh, so you keep buying them. I do. That's <laughs> I, good. I, I, I'm not current. Uh, I got to the point where I had like five, like four of them stacked up that I hadn't read yet, and I was like, "All right, I'll catch up later with the, with the newer, newer ones." So I don't have tombs yet. Nice. And then you got Swaichi is after tombs. To look forward to. Nice. Yeah, that was spooky. Uh, in your travels, um, I am going to be really quick because I'm not going to. Uh, I'm just really glad. Well, it's 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 bittersweet. We got the sixth issue of Black Cloak by Kelly Thompson, Meredith McLaren, and Becca Carey, and it's been a hell of a whodunit, and and in in this wonderful magical world, um, I okay, the first arc is over, and. 
we'll get the call in the meantime before we come back to Black Cloak. Uh, and by all means, pick up the first issue of the call because it's it's gorgeous and and it's got a hell of a hook. But yeah, Black Cloak. I'm not spoiling anything um, tonight, but um, I just now that it's out, and I do believe the first volume was is in is in preview so you, you you can get it if you weren't getting the singles but yeah in your travels without a doubt i'm not i'm, I'm not we've already discussed various parts of, of previous issues i'm, I'm not going to give anything away with this uh with the last chapter of this first arc but um you need to be reading black cloak that is literally all i'm going to say tonight in your travels read black cloak it's wonderful cosine What'd you yeah, say, Tony? Trade comes out in September. That's a three-way. All three of us co-signed that. Excellent. Love to hear it. Hold on a second. Baxter's going crazy. Let me grab him before I end my travel. Vamp for one second. Okay, we'll vamp. <laughs> I did read the call, number one. What'd you think? Not for me. Well, the art. Yeah, right. the art's nah. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I can't say that it's not accomplished. Oh yeah, no. By all it's, means, it's it's, it's, it's very well done. It's just yes. way it's nice. too uh, realistic 100%. for me. Yeah. See, the thing that got me was in the preview they had the double page spread where the thing is, yep. and I was like, "Wow, that's really cool." It's it, I like this, but then you turn the page, and yeah. You there's a lot of extremely realistic looking people. Yeah, there's a lot of talking heads. And it is, yeah, 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 and and but but extremely detailed talking heads. It's just that the 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 art veered too much into realism for me. Not saying it's bad. It's just no. It's I I my my radio is not tuned to that dial or to that station. So yeah. And for me, I don't I don't. The art by itself isn't something that would make me necessarily check the book out but the the preview pages in in the previous issue of of black cloak were were neat and then we got the preview and being introduced to the characters and the the whole the, the, the not quite really sure what what obviously she's looking for her brother but i got to find out what what happened so it is it's it's kelly's story primarily yeah um the art doesn't bother me at all, but if if it wasn't Kelly or if it wasn't a story like this, the art by itself probably wouldn't get me to keep checking it out. Right. She said they got together on Jessica Jones books, which I yes. have not read yet. Did you read those? I did not. I, I don't oh, know if Jason, if Jason did. I've got them. I just had, I, those were one of the ones I picked up during the pandemic. I did like a real Kelly Thompson deep dive during COVID. Nice, yeah. Filled in a lot of the gap stuff that I didn't have. Um, yeah, she's the best. She's really good at, at her job, that's for sure. Uh, in your travels, uh, this is keeping in the conceptual continuity. Uh, when we were researching Local Man Gold, I went and did like a deep dive on all my Image Comics crossovers. Like I said, you know, a couple years ago, me and Vince. And Jason, or not Jason, David, you read along too on Death Mate, right? Well, you guys it drove the bus on that. Yeah, it was you two. Oh, and then Vince was just mad at the end when I said that the Valiant ones looked like they were old people. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. mad. I wasn't mad. I was just like, how dare you? 
wasn't bad, but, just disappointing. Uh, so I so I went back and I took a look at the the uncompleted Image United, and there's another one called Shattered Image that I read through, which is uh, written by uh, Kurt Busick and uh, Barbara Kiesel, um, and has art by a bunch of different people. But the first and last issues are by Tony Daniel in like his Spawn period, where he was doing like wacky phone Spawn stuff. What the fuck is that noise? No idea, dude. <laughs> I have Do Not Disturb on, so it should definitely should not be me. I don't know what that is. Uh, anyway, there was one uh, image crossover that I hadn't read because it came out in 1998 uh, when I was at college and sort of in like my one dark period where I've been filling in gaps. Um, and this one is uh, crazy. And if you're in the dollar bins and you come across it, I can't recommend anything higher. It's called Altered Image. It's by Jim Valentino. Uh, mm-hmm. Do either of you have experience with this? Do you know this thing? I've heard of it. I don't. You'll have to talk about it to see if I remember it, reading it. It is a real uh, product of its time. Uh, when you see it, you're like, yeah, that definitely came out in 1998. Uh, it's Jim Valentino artwork, but the the logo in Altered Image is one of those ones where it's like a different letter from a bunch of different logos. So like the A is the A from Spawn, and then the D is the D from Shadowhawk, and the R is the R from Savage Dragons. So like it's like sort of looks like a, a ransom note. Uh, but it's a team that consists of Spawn, Witchblade, Savage Dragon, Shadowhawk, Majestic, and the Max. So it's like right before Wildstorm leaves the next year, and obviously after Extreme left. Um, and so it's it's like this big uh, hullabaloo happens, and all these image heroes have to get together because the world keeps getting twisted and contorted. Um, and they're getting like amalgamed into each other. Um, and so they have all kinds of the cool like image, like the same way they did in Deathmate, um, and and that we paid tribute to to in our book, where you're sort of like crashing together uh, an image character and a valiant character. In this one, they're just crashing together image characters. And so like you'll get like um, Shadow Hawk with spawn, like Shadow Spawn. Or, you know, like, the Max is is crashed together with uh, uh, Super Patriot or the Savage Dragon. Or just, like, they just keep getting, like, uh, like mixed together and mixed up. Um, and it, it plays real close to, like, Jim Valentino's Shadowhawk mythos. And also, Jim Valentino never let go of the 1963 stuff. Like, that shit just happened in Jim Valentino's <laughs> world. <laughs> because... They keep dipping into like this 1963 like uh, Alterna space where it's like this space, this Alan Mori space outside of time area that they keep like crashing through. Um, but it's super fun, and they and they do this thing in the first issue and in Wizard Magazine where they had a contest where people could send in drawings of their mashed together image characters, and it's only a three issue thing, but. Uh, before the thing came out, they ran the contest, and then in the second issue, they announced the winners, and then in the third issue, they drew the winner into the book, and the the character that won, they printed all the contest winners in issue two, and the the big winner uh, was a cross between uh, Mother One from Wetworks and Mighty Man from Savage Dragon, and it's called One Mighty Mother uh, by Kevin Metz of Springfield, Missouri. Uh, and they won original art from the book, and the character would appear in the book, and 
Yeah, I got them right here. I had them digitally. They're rad looking, right? Like yeah, really neat. And then uh, Valentino starts to do cool stuff when they start to switch worlds and stuff, where he'll do like an animated style or like a more rendered style. Um, it's cool, like it's real cool dollar bin stuff. Oh, and also they end up going to like medieval spawn world, and they're fighting dragons, and then there's like a medieval shadowhawk and a medieval majestic and a witch. You know, like it's just, it's like super inventive and fun, but also super 1998. Uh, but it's it's great. Wow, you could tell this was inked by Andrew Peepoy. Detail. I don't know. The, the, look who it says the inker is on the credits page. Al- Alp Altener. I don't know who that is. That sounds like a pen name. What? Right? Because I got the the credits page on volume uh, on the first issue says Vin- Jim Valentino, right art artist, logo design. Andrew and Peepoy, yeah, inks one to four, thirteen, fifteen. Then Alp Altener. You're right. He takes over on two and three for the full thing, and then yeah, the Brad Foster. That's, so really, that's not a name, right? Yeah. It's not a- it's like an anagram or some shit. Yeah. No, it looks it. cool, though. Looks real cool. Yeah. Definitely, like I said, it's a quarter bin book or a dollar bin book. If you find it, grab it. You won't be disappointed. Or you will be, and it'll just have been a dollar. So, you know, I'll, I'll, if you come find me. I'll 75 cents, right? Sure. Yeah. No, it, but it, it's ma- the thing smacks of 90s coloring. Hello? I'm here. Oh, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. We love you so much. Oh, look at Witchblade. Wow. Oof. That is nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. It's really cool. And the covers are cool, like, you know... Um, uh, Eric Larson inks some of the covers, and like, and Valentino does the most of the artwork. First issue cover and the back issue, the back cover of the second issue. It just seems like a bunch of people, you know, throwing in and having fun with this thing. Yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to read this. Yeah, maybe we'll sure talk enough. about it the next time you come on. That'd be, look, I, I would, <laughs> I would love to. Nothing more than just sit around and talk about. Altered image and shattered image and death mate and <laughs> which one of these? I'm in the zone right now. Which one of these is the best image comics crossover? Well, you say the word and we'll talk the about it. One, we got to read that. That that deserves consideration. Sure. That's one I don't have. Do you have that one? Uh, probably digitally. Yeah, I don't. I I know I don't have the physical issues of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for joining us. Thanks to uh, our brother Tony for being here with us because it's always fun when uh, Tony Nobaloni shows up. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be a month and a half, two months, and he'll be back. I'm happy to come back whenever you like. We should have you back when Jason is, is even on. That'll be a trip because he, he almost never gets to talk to you. Because it's true. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know the drill. Get yourself to a comic shop, buy some comics, read them, talk about them, hug your loved ones, squeeze your pets not too hard, eat some good food, and come back next time because we love you so much. In the meantime, say goodnight.
You know what this is, don't you? It's Pee-wee's Playhouse. David. Sam. Ooh. Good night. When did you decide you were going to start playing football? Maybe you should be terrified that you know, shut down, demonetized, or whatever. Well, it's little snippets at the end. It's fun. Right. It's fun. If, they, if they're going to get me for little clips at the end, whatever. And what a what a loving tribute. Yes. Um, I, I was like, should I use this kiss one? Because Gene's pretty militant about that shit. David. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I had to use it because the, the reason why I used Love It Loud was because Matthew Allison loves Kiss. So I did that to just put a little spring in Matthew Allison's step. But otherwise, I just pick stuff randomly. But this one, not so much because we lost Pee Wee. Yeah. This past it. week. Yeah, it sucks. Did you see the video he made for Cassandra Peterson, Elvira? Yeah, it was her birthday, and he took the time to make her a video and, you know, just send it to her as a happy birthday thing. And he's, if he's lying, he's a really good actor because he's just like, I love you so much. I've always loved you. I think you're smart and hilarious and and loving and like he went on a list. Mm-hmm. And and you know, he busted her balls like what, what with you being 80. She was 70 <laughs> at the time. But I mean, it's really touching. And she put that up on her on her uh, socials and it's just if you have the time, go to Cassandra Peterson's socials and look at that click on that Wee video and watch it. It's just amazing. But they say the my point buried in all this is a lot of uh, celebrities claim that's just how Pee Wee was, or Paul. Let's say Paul because that was his name. That's just how Paul was. Like if 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 he was your friend, you knew it. He would he would um, pay attention to you and devote you know time to you and just basically tell you, hey, thanks for being my friend. I I appreciate this relationship. So yeah, it sucks, but, but yeah, a huge impact uh, on on me. Anyway, I don't think I would have discovered gary panter as wow. as easily as, as i had through, if not for peewee right yeah sure so i think about that uh the, like the last time that he super made me laugh was uh in the when he was on 30 rock when he played that prince yeah <laughs> <laughs> was it it was his 25th birthday and he, she's yeah. 25 oh <laughs> Yeah. He's great in Mystery Men. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a good I love that movie. Yeah, everybody's freaking out. Yep. All right, everybody. David nailed it, and you go nail it, and you tell them that you love them so much. Yeah, we love you so much. Yeah, Jinx. see, see, it's, so it's, so it's easier to get it out of you than it is of Jason. I got so, too much love in my heart. You do have a lot of love. It's true. Right here. That's it for that one.